to episode 216 of the F Reality Podcast. It's the first podcast of the new year. And after last episode's three hour runtime, that's nearly Avatar 2 length. Whoops. Uh, we're going to take this podcast on a duration diet. Okay. It's been a downpour of new devices this past couple weeks. And we're going to cover hands on impressions in today's show, thanks to both Adam and Jose, who are out in the desert experimenting with many of those geeky gadgets. Um, today's topics, here we go. Uh, Meta's written a nice little eulogy for, for Quest 1. Intel's getting speedy with sub 5 millisecond latency to headset. Uh, the wave is back, but absconded off to Pico. Sony's showcase gave us a big name IP and a new accessibility controller. But mind your wallets, as CES was chock full of new expensive equipment, including PSVR 2, Pimax Crystal, Ajna Lens, Vive XR Elite, none of it is cheap. <laughs> and finally, mm. Jose will round us up with releases and help sweeten the tea of those hungry for software. If you're here with us today in chat, tell us what you've been tinkering with, modding, setting up, or just playing since the last show, and allow me a moment to introduce the F Reality crew. First up, <clears throat> dodgy tech deals go down in dark alleyways of Las Vegas. <laughs> but if you're willing to risk 10 to 20 years in the block, man, the goods you can get. The VR tech is here to tell us all about it. Go on, Jose. It's confession time. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, you guys? Oh, man. First confession. Um, this is not going to be a short podcast. Get ready for a five. I'm just kidding, guys. No, man. <laughs> <laughs> Super pumped up. Um, I'm back from from Vegas. I was supposed to be in Miami, but now I'm in California. So I'm like, I'm playing, you know, I'm putting uh, uh, Carmen San Diego run for her money. So I'm definitely getting into world traveling mode, um, going and visiting as much and learning as much VR as I possibly can. Was that rebooted? I don't know uh, if today's did today's kids like know Carmen San Diego. Yeah, I definitely do. That's I, like... I, am, I am the actual reboot, so I'm actually taking on the role. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know actually. I, I, I think it did get rebooted actually a few years ago. Netflix, I think, I think so. did do a, a, a reboot. So I, I'm, hopefully people know and catch the reference of what I'm talking about, or else I'm going to look like a big old nerd. Baby. But. <laughs> That's hopefully oh, you, you, you always look like a big old nerd. Exactly. Right. So I, I, I'm filling in the role, you know, it's it's a it's a real Carmen San Diego reboot. You know, I'm the I'm the greedy reboot. <laughs> I'd watch that show. Absolutely. Let's would. do it. Very good. What's been your other other than picking up all your things and like moving, like literally moving to California since the last podcast? Uh, any any highlights in, in that that maybe aren't CES related? <sighs> Oh, uh, they are not CS related. That's a difficult um, filter, I know. <laughs> I would, I would have to say the enthusiasm for VR, um, traveling with the the Quest Pro carrying case that looks exactly the same as the Quest Two carrying case. I didn't realize how the, the shape of the carrying case has become iconic. People knew it was a headset. People were like, oh, is that a Quest? Is that a Quest? Is that a Quest? And I was like, huh. yeah, yeah, it is actually, which was very cool. Mm -hmm. um, so people, just mainstream people, a lot of random you know, people in the public just asking me about it, it was very cool, very exciting. So I, I'm feeling very refreshed when it comes to being a part of the VR space. So that's definitely stuck with me. Yeah. Nice. I, yeah. I I like to hear that. So yeah. was it people who were asking this? Was this just like random strangers walking up to the airport? Or? Very random strangers. People in line at the TSA behind me. Uh, I realized I was actually standing in line and I saw these kids going like, it's a headset. It's a headset. VR. Oh, 
and, and it was just so cool and, and and just hearing that it's like man like it, I, I never realized how the oval shape with the with the little strap has become iconic so it's it's yeah. really cool how, how how we're kind of seeing the the form factors the kind of the, just knowing who's a vr user it's super rad yeah and i like the excitement as well when you run across strangers excited about it somehow like elevates your own levels of excitement and it just builds on it. So it's like validating that'll, that'll keep you going for weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so fun when it's not, it's not in the places you expect it to be, right? Nobody's expected to recognize a headset. You're just waiting in line somewhere holding mm -hmm. on to it. So it, it, it's super cool. Yeah, that's especially neat. in I, Vegas. I, that was actually very fun. You know, it, it's kind of is not CS related because it was outside of CES. But, you know, when you're traveling, going to demos and meetings, you're kind of holding on to your equipment. So walking with my headset around, people, you would see the, the people knew what it was. You, you see that energy. It's super fun. Well, that's a good way to start off the new year, I'd say, Jose. Thank you very <laughs> much. That's great. All right. On to our next one. So from guitars to conical flasks, Alzheimer's patients to robots that loop time fast. This guy's got it going on from dusk till dawn. He doesn't stop ticking. Breaking from jail or getting a speeding ticket. Hide your kids and hide your wife. It's Rowdy. Hey, Rowdy. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello there. Just off um, of a flight and everything. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely exhausted. Like, uh, like Jose just leaves to, to, to California. And that's, I, I was like, you know, we can't have that. We need to have like at least one member of F reality in, in Miami. So I was like, you know, just headed that way. And, uh, and just, uh, just, just, just do my thing there. Um, no, the reason why I went to, to, to Miami was indeed for like an Alzheimer conference. Uh, we had, uh, like, I mean, it, it happens every year. It's a, it's a pretty big conference, uh, in, in the field at least. Uh, and it was actually really nice. It was my first time in Miami. I didn't get to see anything of Miami, but uh, you know, you guys apparently have very nice weather there. Uh, I didn't notice that either because the AC was full on, so it was absolutely <laughs> freezing inside. Um, everybody was complaining about it. It's always a thing, like when you go to like some place hot, you go to a conference, you're like you arrive at like you know, I mean, the thing started at like seven a.m., so like it's like still like I mean, it's still light, but it's like it's 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 not like full blast on sun. You you go inside and you just feel the chill. Uh, and then by the time that the conference is over, it's like, you know, dark outside and, you know, you're absolutely exhausted. So, you know, you don't really get to do much stuff. Uh, I was thinking about staying a few days extra, but then we, we couldn't do the podcast. So I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, we can't do that to our <laughs> listeners. Uh, <laughs> Took one for the team so, yet again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? exactly. Oh, well, I'm glad you made it back in time anyway. Um, that, that, that's, that's great. It's amazing how international, I swear, the, the jet miles th that we're racking up, you know, since we reformed as the second version of the crew um there's been a lot of miles put under and i haven't done a single one yet so i'm hoping to do something at some point <laughs> yeah yeah i've gotta i've gotta get that done all right next one up well i've watched enough horror films to know that if you feel safe around this gal nope seven's definitely up but you know you won't know until it's too late uh you'll your end will involve a hotel room an invitation to some strangely enticing demo, and then you'll never be heard from again <laughs> it's adam bombati there you go. That sounds about accurate. <laughs> I, uh, the pictures we've been getting. Yeah. How you doing, Adam? <laughs> so I, without uh, doing any CES spoilers, um, most of my week has been relatively boring and catching up with work stuff or um, coming back from work break. But I can, I think, say like Las Vegas related stuff uh, that I did non CES related, hopefully uh, a couple of VR people. We went to Area 15, which is sort of like a how do you describe it? It's like there's 
it's a super trippy psychedelic area um, that's got arcades oh, okay. in it. They've got like a VR arcade. They've got a bar, but the, it's almost like a adult mall with games and lights. Right. I, I just I just have to say I thought for a moment you had the letter switched. So uh, the number switch. So you had like area, area 15. No. I was like, I went to like area 51. <laughs> That's how like, they keep them out. And I was like, wait a minute. That's how, That's they, how they trick the, the people. Yeah. So then we get in trouble with the government. But um, they have a place in there that's called the Omega Mart, which is kind of like a, uh, it looks like a normal grocery store on the outside. But once you go in, there's actually a whole storyline. Like if you love backroom stuff, that's that's kind of what this is. There's like little weird glitches in the Matrix. And there's like, uh, and I'm not going to give too many spoilers because you really should go experience it for yourself. But I, I went inside a fireplace and climbed up it and went to another part of the... It's trippy. It's really cool. There's a whole storyline behind it. It's a grocery store that's also a kind of pseudo-escape room? I'm trying to understand Um, what you're you're trying to portray here. So it's not an escape room in that you have a time limit. You go in and you have to discover um, basically what happened to the CEO of this store. But as you're discovering that, you're also realizing like, oh, this isn't a normal store. There's like... Uh, I, I, without spoiling, there's sciency stuff that has happened and is happening here. <laughs> and so as you go through, there's like letters you can find in mailboxes. There's computers around that you can go in and like read emails or watch videos or even. But you um, can't get, for example, like a like a carton of milk. Yeah, I was like, do you go there for actual food or? They, not? They, no. You know what? They actually sell. Um, like it's not actual like food but they'll sell fake products that have price tags on it that you can buy yeah. if you wanted to um <laughs> it's, merch. it's really yeah. cool yeah it's it's, a, it's like their merch because it's so weird like there's one um i think like a butter carton this is it's not butter or something on it it's, it's just weird stuff or um wow really eclectic yeah. that's cool yeah but like really. so so area 15 is more mall sized it's larger like a like a um, shopping center and then this not, is a piece of that or yeah, it's inside of it so it's like one of the stores i would call it um, huh. It's an interactive also, museum. Yeah, exactly. Because they have little uh, other areas in there um, that are like sort of yeah, interact interactive museum. Like you'll see trippy stuff. Probably should maybe be on edibles when you go in there and probably get yes. a really good time. Uh, maybe next time. <laughs> but it's it's really cool. Meow um, Wolf. He actually so the the guy who created it, Adam Meow Wolf. He actually has. It's a, it's a, it used it, they it's a design firm now and so they have multiple art installations around the U.S. now so they have Area 15 oh. which is the the Omega Mart and now they're going to have different type of Meow Wolf experiences across yes. the U.S. with different themes so the Omega Mart is about a CEO who went crazy because they installed this location on top of some uh, dark energies and it took over. And so it's a lot like Stranger Things. It's really cool. They they oh. allow you to be as interactive as possible. They employ all their actors. It, it, it's super exciting. It's, it's LB really to the max. It is. It's 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 wow, pretty much technology awesome, yeah. and performers just in perfect <clears throat> unison. And so how does how does that work? Just from like uh, you know going on the ride, so to speak. Are you paying entry to Area Fifteen or to this individual shop? Um, like, is it ticketed? To- to Area 15, you don't have to pay technically to go in. There's like experience packages you, that you can buy, but Omega Mart is separate. So you could just walk into Area 15, show them your ticket for Omega Mart, and then you get as long as you want, pretty much. And I will say you probably want to spend at least a good 
<laughs> a minimum half a day to discover all of the let, 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 it's big. It's big. Let, let's clarify let's clarify that though um <laughs> the area i think on surges like if it's a if it's a busy like spring break and summer they do they do charge to get inside area 15 i think they they had it they weren't charging this time because at ces and they wanted people to try it but i have been there like seven times now and they definitely charge <laughs> like in surge in like surge weekends course, and stuff like that they, they're there smart yeah they'll, they'll definitely i i thought that too once and i showed up with like seven people and they were like oh no we charge it's saturday i was like oh that makes sense it's saturday yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Tough when you're traveling with a big group like that. But Adam, that sounds like a really cool eclectic shout out. Thank you oh. for mentioning it. I, I'm certainly drawing my bucket list now of things because I've never been no. to Las Vegas. So, um, it's so that'll, be, that'll be on the list of must do. Very good. Well, um, I'm curious what uh, chat have been up to this week. So team, let me know yeah. if you see anything there in chat. And yes, uh, um, welcome to the podcast. We've got everyone. weekly synth riders gathering. Uh, we've got Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, finally. Like, the first one? <laughs> Question mark? Probably. Is finally? But that's that's good, you know? Shaming them. Uh, well, I thought it was the second one at first, and then I was like, oh, good for you. I haven't had a try Play yet. more games. <laughs> and then uh, Windlands 2, um, Steam Deck Indies. Um, cool. Grinding in Zenith for the extended winter event. That makes me sad when, like, the all the games that still have winter events are just la- uh, launched, like, Christmas events. I'm like, why? Christmas is over. Stop it. <laughs> it's Someone who loves it so much, you really are, like, dead cut when it's over. Well, right? yes, because I know, if, right? I, if it's any longer like, or any sooner before, then I won't enjoy it anymore because it's too yeah. much, you know? So I like to have those limits. Otherwise, I don't want to get overexposed and just be over it. Like, I, when, I know when, my limits. When do the lights come down? What what day of January do the lights <laughs> come down in Adam's house? Um, Probably right after New Year's. Honestly, I would like oh. it after Christmas, but it's it's usually after New Year's because we end up getting lazy and we're like, ah, it's probably a tolerable time. <laughs> you're you're Mine you're still up. Yeah, I was gonna say like, I mean, I've got neighbors who have the whole shebang still up and, and going <laughs> really? every night. Like, awesome. Yeah, that's yeah, just lazy. So. <laughs> I'm sitting I'm sitting next to a Christmas. Excuse me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not, no take Point. backsies. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, but they, we've got snow here. I don't know. Montreal? Well, Rowdy, do you have snow? Oh. Yeah, we had a snowstorm. We like I think about like 30 to 40 centimeters fell out of the sky uh, over the past two days. So, yeah, we have a heck ton of snow here at the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what we're enjoying as well. It's like go out with the dog. You got to put on your thermal layers and stuff like that. So uh, I enjoy it, though. I like this time of year. It's certainly nice to have snow blanketed around some Christmas lights around as Adam's twitching there, you know, uh, but I do think that like if you're if you're pushing past mid-January with your Christmas lights and definitely end of January, that's, uh, that's pushing it a bit far, you know, even if you're in a wintry place where taking them down isn't so easy. Um, very good. Uh, well, well, chat, thanks. Sounds like you guys have been busy. Um, I'll give you my highlight now before we move on. Um, I had a really strong hankering when we were getting into December for like catching up because I started to get smitten with PS5 in a way that I haven't gotten into console gaming in a very long time. Like when I was a kid, I started off on consoles like the Nintendo consoles and stuff and then eventually found like Starcraft and Quake 2 and that like fish hooked me into PC gaming and I was like, haha, I'm a PC gamer now. Screw you, console gamers. Um, (laughs) But I feel like, you know, some handhelds like the Nintendo DS, which is one of the main reasons I, I met my wife. Um, and then later, like this, the PS5 has been a beautiful console for catching up. 
but I'm trying to get ready for PSVR 2, and so I got into Horizon not really knowing much other than, okay, female protagonist, colorful scene, and I was expecting something very on rails, and it's actually a lot more kind of open world, not quite to the same tune as like Skyrim's per se, but because they've got combat in there that's really, really great, man, Horizon mm. has bitten me hard. I mean, I, I, I'm not usually one to go heavy on a single game. I'm much more a variety uh, gamer these days uh, with various streams and stuff, but uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and then the, the Frozen Waste DLC, like I've played 80 hours in three weeks. That's a lot of time to squeeze in so and my family and the corporate job and all that. Um, and then when I was doing that, I was kind of lamenting. I was like, oh, it's a pity they didn't make, you know, like a third person VR mod because I'd play that because I'd seen some people do first person content. And then some of the people in the VR community, like, you know, they, they said, they're like, hey, and like German Rifter and a few others. They're like, no, 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 it, it works well. Uh, German Rifter, Eric Hartley, a few of them, that, and, and, you know, they're trusted opinions. And so I was like, all right, I'll, I'll try it out. And then I ended up putting like, you know, about eight hours into Horizon Zero wow. Dawn's VR version. And being in that world, uh, which again is like gorgeous landscape, another place that you could VR vacation. Um, and then the combat system still being, I mean, you're still using the gamepad, right? So it's kind of like oh, Rift okay. Gaming was, um, and it's seated. I'm not standing while I'm doing this. But the benefit that I was able to do was I engineered that the sound would go through my shaker chair. So I've got a, a two different bass shakers rumbling this chair away with all these thundering dinosaurs, mechanical dinosaurs around. Man, it was, um, it's been really special. Like, it's not that often that a game really catches me, but now I I'm in very much two minds about what's to come, and I can't wait till we get into your impressions about the demos you've done with the new VR variant of Horizon. But, like, keeping the same fast-paced combat, being able to switch between third and first person, um, even though it was seated VR, really had a good time. Um, really, really did. But um, I'm going to complete my play experiences, I think, Maybe hold off on Forbidden West until after the VR uh, bit, maybe, I don't know. It's still in a pricey game, so I might just hold out. Um, but the stories, the characters, I know Rowdy, you were saying to me um, a little bit earlier that uh, you hadn't played Horizon, but uh, if you're into that kind of world, um, the story is really good. The characters are mm. amazing in it, and they're not just the same placeholder NPCs that you have in like every game. A lot of them are really quite eccentric, and they're fun for that reason. And they're not eccentric to the annoying side like a Jar Jar Binks character. <laughs> it's just uh, the technical, the, te the, te the technology interfolds of that story are fantastic. And as you explore and discover stuff, it's like it's like opening a novel and not wanting to put it down. So um, yeah, I I'll recommend to anyone who hasn't caught up with Horizon. I've never played any in the series. And now I'm completely bought in uh, to that so as a story. It's so good. And the, like you said, the combat is really good. Like having to, we well, don't have to, but to break off individual parts from the machines. It's it's like one of those things that's like frustratingly challenging, but really satisfying when you get to pull it off. Um, yeah, I, I fully, I love it. I love the, uh, and the not Horizon just, and, and not just the mechanics story-wise too, right? Like I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, Zen. Like the first... 15 minutes of that game like hooked me like i love alloway her her, oh. her the way they designed her the way they wrote her the the way that you immediately have this like sense of protection 
over her immediately from the first few minutes because you see her in her most vulnerable state which is a child um and you immediately start interacting and you just immediately connect and then you just see the story kind of just hit rapid succession immediately it's it's super fun so i i just highlighting the story too i think it's a very important aspect of, of making you click with it and as a character um, who's who's not too different than you, Adam, I'd say you know, like she's she's got she's a brazen lass. Like she really is. She's like, no, Dad, I'm going to do it my way. And I'm not going to spoil any of the story, but oh man, my wife and I both fell in love with this with this girl. Like it's like as a to play that character and then interact with all these characters along her kind of journey. Oh, yeah, smitten. That's the only thing I can yeah. say. It was really really great. Um, just to have to have someone be like such a bold standout character so if you're looking for a real character driven story um absolutely take my recommendation horizon Missy uh, will give it a try <laughs> get out, <laughs> get out. <laughs> next halloween we see rowdy in his jar jar outfit oh very good yeah. all right well um before we get into the the news cycle um let's uh, go on to a word from this podcast sponsor uh which is resolution games uh, so we've just crossed over. Uh, maybe now is is the safest time for me to say, but um, asking you what your resolution of the year is. I mean, we've 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 talked about this, and uh, our audience has listened for now a couple of weeks. So my question is, have you followed through yet? You know, jumping on Demio, pew pew and blast on, or maybe just hanging out in the lagoon with friends or families and in, in in bait. Um, resolution had something for everyone in this December's first ever Resolution Games Showcase. Uh, I'll mention that Blast On has gone free to play. They released the pass-through game called Spatial Ops, and Bait went multiplayer as well. So this is uh, your final reminder from us, right? Go check out the high pedigree games from Resolution. Get swept up by VR Gaming's most fun studio and mm. take our word for it. You know, you can check out the goods in Akron, Blast On, Cookout, Demio, and they've even got an upcoming racket sports game sometime later in 2023 to look out for looking forward to that and um future partnerships i hope with resolution they've been a great sponsor for the podcast thank you resolution and um i look forward to playing your games irrespective of what the future holds so um can't wait to see that racket game come out because they've, they've proven to me now especially with spatial ops that they still got it they've been one of the most reliable sources of varied gameplay in vr and there's not a title the that thing, i played right? of theirs that's yeah been that's the thing right like it's like it's hit. such a, a very genre like they don't really yeah. tie it down to one but they they kind of do a lot of different genres very well they do I multiplayer when... very well like there's mm. like all of the like well i played quite a few of their titles but all of them like i can usually get non-hardcore vr people to play just because they're so fun yeah yeah their software their software definitely is it's very like industry forwarding like a lot of studios are and publishers are kind of well known for like a niche these guys are kind of like hitting all the all the right titles to kind of push the the industry forward it's really cool to see i, I definitely love definitely got some love for resolution for sure it always makes me interested because i've seen behind the doors of some developers it's like this is the stuff that made it to the shelves for the customers 
what didn't make it to the shelves? So maybe one of these days we're going to have to bring on Tommy or one of the others and ask him, Gorilla, like, all right, tell us the stuff that didn't come out. The zombie game. What didn't make the zombie cut? Title. I'm just really curious because I've seen some some devs who we've, who we've interviewed before and they've come out and they've told us, you know, about what didn't come through. And it's great to, to hear that from those studios. Although sometimes they like to be a little bit close to the chest because they might, might tweak that idea and release it one day. But we'll see what we can get out of them maybe in the new year. Um, so with that, let's uh, move on to our news. Uh, this is our attention-seeking weird little news bites section. And I'm going to try and keep this brief so we can get into all the CES context, which no doubt will be the main body for today. Um, first off, and this is probably an interesting one. This is MetaQuest 1's what I'll call social sunset. Uh, so in a Meta blog uh, update just, uh, just this past week, uh, Meta wrote, We launched Quest 1 over four years ago. That one already took me back. I couldn't believe it's been four years since PAX East and was prancing around in the Quest 1 for Meta. That was fun, like a booth babe, my first time there ever. And they said, we stopped selling Quest 1 in 2020. For some reason, my brain didn't click with that happening. Um, and that feels like a long time ago now. Uh, as we look forward to the future, we're grateful to the Quest 1 community and we remain committed to supporting its users. As an existing Quest 1 user, your headset will still be supported with a few important changes. Uh, you'll still be able to use your Quest 1 headset and available apps. We're not going to ship any new features. So from a software development perspective, they're going to shut that down. Um, we plan to continue maintaining uh, system software with critical <laughs> bug fixes until 2024. And I read that as until the 1st of January 2024, because we know Meta. Um, Quest 1 users will no longer be able to create or join a party. And again, I'm, I'm echoing this here. A lot of you will have heard it and seen it on social media, but I think it's important to differentiate between uh, Meta's own party system, which works like you know, the so PlayStation, the Xbox party systems, where you group up with friends before you hop into a game. And oftentimes on we do the Meta clap? platform, that means you're kind of just, isolated uh, almost away from the rest of the like players a, on that just, platform. Count it's you. like a bubble, right, that you form your party with. But this isn't affecting, you know, multiplayer games that have a service um, not that's separate to the okay. party system. So for example, okay. I would expect to be able to continue to play Golf Plus with my dad once a week. We wouldn't party up. We Like we always do, pick up phones, talk to each other on WhatsApp, and then join a room code or something like that. Same thing if you were going to play Demia with someone or, or something along those lines. Um, the other thing that's going to be going is the social features um, in Meta Horizon Home uh, will be gone as of March 9th um, this year. And so that means you won't be able to invite others to your home or visit someone else's home. Now, I can't remember the last time I did that. Um, it's been quite a long time. It was really Rift and Rift S era for me. Um, do any of you ever join into friends' homes on the meta platform, like in the last year? No. <laughs> no only the, 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 com the business one, like the, the workrooms, is the only one I kind of interacted with. Ah, right. So, and from a Quest 1 perspective, if you had a Quest 1 user, is, is Workrooms even supported on no. Quest 1, though? No, no. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 if you don't mind me, like, I, 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 I read the news about this, and, and all, it, all it did was really infuriate me. Um, because, and, I, and I'll tell you why, because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it from a developer and from a tech perspective. What Meta's doing is essentially saying, hey, we're no longer allowing this device to be on our network. It's not going to be functional for the services that you expect from the platform, but we're not going to allow anyone to 
create this software for it or to create these tools for it or to create the support. So by them telling you, oh, we're, you're still going to get the critical bug fixes, which you know that make no sense because it's not never going to go on the network. They're pretty much telling you, hey, it's there, but you can't use it. We're not going to allow it. Um, the Oculus, the, the Go recently went yep. through a similar situation and they were forced to uh, open source it because a lot of people got upset. It's like, wait a minute, because of the GPL code in Android, if you lose support for it, you must open source it. So mm. Meta, like just, just open source the Quest 1. There's no reason for it. Um, if you open source it, you give the opportunity for SideQuest really to take off because now you have a huge open third-party market. Uh, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do yeah. it, please. I don't I, think they will. I, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I spoke to some people at Meta at CES, and I to, and they they told me, yeah, you're right. That's that's the reason we're doing it. So just come on, talk to whoever you need to. Make the developer device that the industry needs. It's the Quest One open source. Yeah, yeah. I, I would love a Quest One open source. And actually, it's funny because we're not many years beyond when it was first launched, and it was a very walled garden at that point. So. But you're right. That's a dream. That's a dream. You get the the kind of the best kind of controllers and headset and open it up to people to tinker with. Right now that it's the kind of the old headset that they're ushering out. I love your ask. I think it's a, a fair ask. Do I think Meta are going to do it? <laughs> no. <laughs> if they don't, don't, somebody will. If they don't, somebody will. The developers will do it. This is the this is this is the the device that the industry wants. Once yep. you you port over the Quest One, now you have the quality assurance that they need. It's Come on. <laughs> like, please. I feel just... like if Carmack was still there, he might be able to pitch a case and push it given his weight. Uh, without him there, I wonder if there's an internal voice asking for that that's got enough clout to make it happen. That's my question. Because mm. Go, he was a huge proponent of, and I believe he also crowbarred that one into open source. Yeah. So we're going to have to see what happens next. Um, so that is Quest 1 news. Um, I still have two Quest 1s in my house, so... Initially, I went, oh, God, multiplayer's not going to work. And then, of course, I saw a couple of dev posts and was like, okay, that'll still function. But yeah, um, it's, it's, it's time, right? It's probably time for me to flip those devices as well. So I'm not too disappointed. At least it isn't, you know, a year after or whatever. Go was very quickly turned around. Um, wasn't too much a fan of that at the time. But hey, I know that Meta are very, very quick to drop support for their headsets. And I think that, if anything else, would lose me as a customer. You know, they'd lose me as a customer for that reason and, and, and probably nothing else um, at this stage. All right, next bit of news. We had um, a little report by Upload VR, which I, which I liked, I picked up on, and this is really just forward-facing. It's about Intel um, and Intel's uh, capability with their Wi-Fi 6E chip, the AX1690, uh, which enables DCT, or Double Connect Technology. Very simply, uh, this is about getting a direct connection from your um, from your PC straight to the headset instead of having to put another hop you know through your router uh, for the internet source and so what does that do that reduces the latency from headset to computer which again is actually materially important uh, when you're trying to render on device or render on the machine and then you know keep it within that tolerance that our human eyes have for discernible latency so um, apparently again in, in their graphics they're showing a drop from 30 milliseconds as a kind of a reference down to five milliseconds. 
Um, like those low-ping bastards from Counter-Strike Land Days, uh, I remember, from all the way back, right? So that's kind of neat. Uh, now, this Intel chip uh, can be purchased on its own with a plug-in card for custom PC builds. Uh, it's also present in some existing laptops, like the Razer Blade 15. So, um, in short, and just in summary, we're reducing the number of hops through this direct piping technology. I love it. It's kind of like Bluetooth. I don't know how many of you use this Bluetooth feature, but more modern revisions of Bluetooth allow you to, you know, tether to multiple devices. So, you know, I'll have my phone and my laptop, for example, sending audio to a pair of Bluetooth headphones I'm using during the workday, uh, which is super handy because you get your notification bings and you get your music or whatever else. Um, so that's really neat. And to see this in the Wi-Fi space, um, glad. I'm just, uh, you know, they're plowing the way. Look forward to seeing this more. I actually got a, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I actually did get a demo of the DCT uh, direct connection um, at CES because that's kind of like where my um, interests are currently. It's in the streaming side of VR. And the problem with it, there is a big limiter is that you cannot have multiple connections in the same environment. So it's very prone to noise, um, which kind of, I don't know if it was the CES demo that I tried, but if you try multiple endpoints within the same environment, it does, it is very prone to causing noise and disrupting other headsets. So I don't know if this is just because it's early early, uh, hardware, but unfortunately I did notice that there's a lot of, in, in a, a lot of interference between interference. multiple streams in the same so which kind of kills the, the 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 value proposition because you kind of people want to go wireless so they can interact around each other multiple headsets in the same environment it's it, it's not theoretically possible with this tech at the moment at least that i saw got it thanks i, I i'm still wondering and we'll probably get come on to this a little bit later why they haven't done lead lined booths at ces and places like that you know something to just limit the the electrical interfer- interference because it's it's a problem for many show floors but ces is a special case and we'll come on to that in a little bit um thanks for your inputs on that jose so the next one is a real bizarre thing <laughs> and this is really featured here for those in the community who are maybe in the creator space or maybe just in the working environment like to um you know present to others kind of like your, your average zoom calls and things like that nvidia have launched uh broadcast technology uh before which was like sound suppression algorithms to help clean up your audio so if in the back you know you've got uh noisy kids a television washing machine whatever it is suppress all that nicely away um then we've had obviously rtx with light casting and things like that on RTX cards. And now they're controlling your eyeballs, very much <laughs> like eye tracking, right? And this is all done through just some kind of AI um, magic, I'll call it. And so what Weird. this is, is NVIDIA have launched um, technology that will work in an RTX 2060 and up, that essentially if you're not looking down the lens of the camera and you're kind of looking off to the side, uh, it, it fakes it. It, it, it takes your eyeballs and basically remaps them so that it looks like you've got eye contact with your audience, even if you don't, which is a little zombie-esque and a little bit weird. But as this uh, technology, you know, comes into various things, it's kind of like the touch-ups you can do on Skype or things like that, where it's like, make me a little bit pretty, tidy up those wrinkles, you know, smooth things over. And um, we're getting to a point now where we're just going a little bit more and more virtual. Um, so this one is is kind of an, an odd new technique that's come. Um, I think it'll be very f- effective for people who are, you know, budding YouTubers and things like that, who just want to read read their script. 
Close your eyes. <laughs> I wish you could. You can't, unfortunately. Almost. So this actually, this tech does uh, preserve your blinks, your eye color, and it transitions between digital and real eyes if you look far enough off center. So there's kind of a tolerance there. So Rowdy, no sleeping yet. But that technology has to come. It'll be very popular for digital college <laughs> conferences and things like that. Lectures. I should have used oh, it for man. this podcast episode. So I'm just awkwardly staring at everybody the whole time. And I'll try to blink as minimal as possible. Just be really super creepy. <laughs> oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> it's not perfect, you- though. Like, if you're wearing a hat and you're, the brim is a little low, sometimes the fake eye will go over the brim of the hat. And it's very creepy because I've seen Gamertag made a tweet about it. <laughs> I want it now. And, oh, my uh, God. Yes, yeah, so it's it's. It's interesting. Uh, I appreciate yeah. that they're trying to make more creator tools. I don't know. Doesn't about this it one, like move but also just... like the video? Like, doesn't it like frame it also? Like, the, I think it adjusts the video too. That you're always in the center, so it moves. It kind of always adjusts you to follow you at all times. So you're at the you're also at the center. <laughs> they're weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've also got vignetting and a few other kind of fancy tricks that look pretty neat. Kind of a bokeh so effect, cool. right? So similar to what your smartphone does, if you have like a, a portfolio mode where you want to take a really nice selfie and it blurs the background in a similar kind of fashion that you know a a modern digital slr would do uh, with a decent lens so those kind of faux effects are interesting because they're definitely crossing i don't know is there an uncanny valley for special camera tricks but that's that's kind of where we are and it's interesting because i wonder if as humans you know eye contact is a really important thing for conversation for understanding body language it's a really important component so now we're like entering the realm of like faking that. And I wonder how long is it going to be before, you know, I'm looking at Jose and he's got a headset on and I'm looking at his eyes that are presented to me through the front of the headset. And <laughs> they're not really his eyes. And is he really looking at me? Is he really making contact? There's all these other layers that come into it. It's just weird. So I wanted to, you know, it's not strictly VR, I would say, but it's, it's, it's going in that direction. Anything with our eyeballs, right? So um, I'm excited. It, it's like some, it's <laughs> like subconscious training into being empathetic. I feel like people who are like, are weird. like I I, feel, I always felt like even staring at like looking at people in the eyes was it's something like it's 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 always like beaten into you. It's like it's it's socially correct and and to engage with people. And I hate staring at people in the eyes. Like I, I have ADHD, so I immediately start staring at their eyes, their pupils. Like start calming down. Like so, it, it almost feels like training for people who have like just just weird social issues or or, or 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 glitches that they just it's just going to train them into <laughs> taking off their headset and immediately just looking at somebody in the eyes and they're going to be used to it because they're subconsciously training themselves to deal with that yeah. i like that people glitches <laughs> yeah man it's, people it's, glitches. you know we're, we're all a bunch of npcs right with different quirks so it, it's cool that through technology <laughs> i'll be a villain but yeah everyone's different because i mean i know that it is ingrained that yeah when you talk to someone you're supposed to look them in the eyes but i feel like at least for me or you know even on the receiving end it's kind of like a give and take you don't want to be staring at them in the eyes the whole time that just seems kind of weird and then and then makes me kind of want to look away so you got to kind of shift around a little like you know look them in the eyes and then 
you know, kind of naturally look at something else. Like it's 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 a weird dance almost, and it, yeah, it is yeah. very. It's a learned thing. Oh man, uh, over time, you, I think. you 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 just you just brought up a hot take that that I don't want to bring up yet, but I'm gonna have to because you brought it up. But yes, I, I feel that that the the those tools are going to make us just also like reject it in, in other applications like eye tracking. I, I I had so much good eye tracking this year that I kind of went like. We can live without it. It's not as great as people think it is. It's not as useful. In fact, it's going to get, it's it's going to become just nausea. It's like the new 3D. It's like, okay, you're you're adding too much sensory overload to my eyes. I don't want th- eye tracking anymore. Huh. What was the, what was an application that you, so I'm, I'm trying to just follow your train of thought there, Jose, like mm-hmm. from an eye tracking perspective, what's the, what are the applications that to you stood out as like, it would be better without? Menus. Menus. Um, the yeah. the PlayStation VR two had a, a really good example. The eye tracking was probably one of the best eye tracking I've ever tried in a consumer level headset. Mm-hmm. And they immediately do a test setup like to calibrate it, where they show like a bunch of spread out dots. For you <laughs> you to are taking it. us right down to the main. I'm, I'm yeah. gonna have to muzzle so you. So it, it just shows that. you the menu. The, the problem is that with your <laughs> eyes, because you can precisely control the menus are too stuck together. So yeah. they added so many menu options. So now when you're selecting continue or options, you yeah. end up glancing at multiple inputs at the same time. You end up reading all the menu options. So you it starts glitching out. It's, okay. it's, it it, it kind of makes you go like, okay, maybe eye control is good for one option to just stare at two. It's not as exciting because we only have two eyes. So why are we turning them into multiple inputs if we only have two inputs it, technically? Does it feel to you then like um, when, when VR was really new, I mean, like DK1 era, um, which I know you, you, you tinkered with quite a bit, like when you had head-based menu selections, it never felt natural. Yeah. Is it a bit like that? Yes, 100%. It's like we're trying to turn our eyes into inputs that they were not really meant to do like it's it's good to for for via you know rendering and things like that but for input selection maybe for one or two inputs that's it because we only have two eyes Mm. don't go over two i disagree like with the to me the head thing and the eye tracking were completely different but i also don't have add or adhd so when i want to select something i just I can focus on it. Um, but I think maybe that is something that they didn't consider when they were making the technology is like, Hey, people with ADD, they might be looking at multiple things at one time, but we don't, we didn't, Dude, they didn't know that. My cursor until after. was going everywhere, Adam. <laughs> it was like, you could see it like go, it was like listing through all the menu options to select. I accidentally hit a continue and re exited the game for oh, a second. It, it's, it's rough. It's really rough. <laughs> Yeah, these considerations wow. you don't realize until after. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I'm not luckily, but like like I said, for me, I didn't come across that. But I can see for someone like my husband didn't get to try it, but he does, for example. So I'm wondering if he would have had the same thing where it's like you have to uh, for menus specifically, you have to look at it to, you know, kind of highlight it and then select it. But yeah, what if you're just like kind of all over the place? <laughs> it's going to be hard to narrow yeah. down. I can't wait till I see someone try this where they enable it on a storefront and someone goes, oh, no. <laughs> look at a game, they purchase it, check out, check out, check out, whatever. <laughs> it's like, no, I didn't mean to do what that. What are my eyes doing? Stop. Oh, <laughs> Stop it off. Well, we will come back to PSVR 2 a little later on uh, as, I, as, as I muzzle my co-hosts here. Get okay. excited. <laughs> yeah. yeah, speaking of excited, jumping around and uh, bopping to music. Uh, let's talk about the wave on Pico and their recent uh, collaboration 
with um, uh, with 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 a lead music artist. Now they've done a bunch of these before. Some of you will know of the Wave and will have uh, tried with this if you've been with VR for some time. Um, but basically, Pico viewers uh, were given the um, access to have uh, an exclusive extended version of a concert that was also being broadcast and premiered on TikTok Live at the same time. And in their headsets and Pico headsets, uh, Wave has come back. Let me tell you a little bit about Wave if you don't know what it is before I go on to what happened at uh, Calvin Harris's uh, music gig there just on uh, just on the 13th, which was yesterday. So uh, Wave's mission is to bring people together through virtual entertainment. Uh, they create the world's most interactive virtual concerts performed by live artists influenced by fans and experienced together in real time. Uh, the show offers a front row seat to the future of live music performance while in the metaverse. Now, it is an instance-based technology. I've never been in a, a wave with like 500 people per se, um, but it is a really interesting experience. And some of the artists that have uh, presented through these, what they call waves, this kind of experience, um, you might recognize, you know, John Legend, The Weeknd, Dylan Francis, um, the ones who I personally experienced, Jean-Michel Jarre, um, Imogen Heap, uh, for example, had an amazing uh, set back in the day when she was broadcasting from the middle of her, her house uh, with this piano piece and her vocals and some interactivity with some cool tech gadgets. Um, the whole thing is, is done in almost like a, pic like a, how do I call it, like a pixel array um, in a 3D environment in a way that's, I think, very true to the artist's music. Um, so it's it's quite unique or was unique before others started playing in this. And they had to move away from uh, VR engagement for a time just to stay alive as a company. And now they're back, uh, which I'm really glad for. It's a pity they're on Pico because I wasn't able to experience this thing uh, live for myself. And as a fan of uh, Calvin Harris's music, um, wasn't able to jam with that. But I can tell you, Calvin got me a bit through the summers uh, when he was doing sets during COVID times. Uh, he would have these large DJ sets live, and it was that was pretty incredible. Uh, but from from the other music buffs who I know, they went along and had kind of a VR chat level experience in terms of the visuals of what you can imagine is in this instanced wave experience. So I'm glad to see him back. I would just welcome the wave back to the VR scene because please stay this time, stay put. And if uh, sponsors are thinking, hey, we should maybe go promote them, absolutely do. I really think I, I want to see more music stuff done through VR. It's one of the best ways to just gel with others and have a good time. So... Have you all, um, <laughs> they could come here and wasn't begging for sponsors, but hey, there you go. There's a pivot. Um, have any of you experienced like music through VR, like a, a concert or a gig like that? Jose, you have? Oh yeah. I actually tried the, tried the wave. Um, there's a, there's one I'm, I'm blanking out on. Uh, it's the horizon world's, uh, venues. I think it's called, um, mm -hmm. yeah. that, that they have, they did like the biggie experience recently, uh, during the holidays, which was really cool. They recreated like the, the set of the, of the Bronx and they, they had a lot of cool stuff going on Brooklyn. Um, and a lot of cool, like New York recreational, uh, spots. So that was actually pretty cool. But, um, uh -huh. yeah, I love, I love virtual concerts. I right. I'm all about them. The last one where I got like properly a sweat on, I was jumping up and down like an idiot in my room, you know, because I'm that way with music. I really am. I'm a concert goer. I love that stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, was Major Laser. There was a Major Laser one that, that had been done. And man, it was fantastic. I think myself, one of the other chatters in chat, Dark Angel, we were trying to get together like in that environment <laughs> to like enjoy the music, but just couldn't do it in venues. Venues was so cumbersome at the time. But yeah, some of that stuff has been really good. I mean, I haven't gone into venues, but isn't it isn't it shut now? It's been merged with 
Horizon Worlds. They merged like? it. Yeah, they they yeah. merged into Worlds. Damn it. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. I just hope that we get to a stable platform. The thing that bugs me the most, and I know this is a technical limitation, is that instancing. There is not yet, I've not had a single experience in VR where I really felt part of a large crowd, you know, a large dynamic crowd. And that has to do with the math behind uh, the number of connections and feeding that information back out again to everybody else. So I hope some smart scientist, Rowdy, you got to get on this, uh, we'll crack this in, in network technology because um, I think that's that's one thing standing between us and the barrier to real virtual, you know, music concerts and stuff like that. And so that's the wave. Um, next up, and just as a kind of a segue now towards CES, um, there was Sony's global press conference that we talked about in the last show, and hopefully some of you caught it. I certainly did. Um so the, the couple of announcements out of that, again, if you haven't heard, so we've got Gran Turismo 7 coming to PSVR 2. So that's pretty cool news for any race heads out there. Uh, they also announced that Beat Saber, which um, is an interesting swing. We'll talk about that for a minute. Beat Saber is a huge moneymaker for Meta uh, and they own Beat Games. So having that come out on PSVR 2 is a little bit like having your eggs in multiple baskets, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, so we were talking about Sony's global press conference, and I just said that uh, GT7 and Beat Saber um, are coming to the platform. Interesting, particularly that Meta is going to have now not just a moneymaker in their own ecosystem, but also in there within um, Sony's ecosystem, which is an interesting change. Now, I think Beat Saber was out for PSVR 1 as well. Um, I remember playing that when they launched story mode, uh, which was great. So this might even swing all the way back to beat games having a relationship with with sony and perhaps they're doing some uh some share of the cut i don't know but i'll tell you one thing that thing makes money like very very few <laughs> yes. vr games do it's been top uh for quite some time now in addition to that news that we got for psvr2 uh with gran turismo 7 getting I'm worried about that rowdy's going to be right here honestly with when it comes to hybrid vr and stuff because we've got a you know, a, a well-known, renowned uh, IP that's having a VR mode added in the same way that Resident Evil is. And the quality of those conversions is going to mean a lot to first-time adopters, especially for people who lay out, you know, the more than a thousand bucks to get their PS5 plus PSVR 2 setup going, and then they go to the title that they love in VR, and that may serve as their ultimate benchmark for is VR worth it, or do I take this all back to the shop? Uh. So I'm going to hold my tongue there for the moment because we don't know until it comes, and Sony's been eerily quiet since December and November when we heard from them about PSVR 2, the pre-orders and all this. There are some good IPs coming. There are some decent game launches, whether they're coming launch day or afterwards, but I got to say, it feels a little bit, a little bit fragile. Um, so we're going to have to just see how it goes over the next, you know, 40 to 50 days as people start to get their first hands-on impression, as we will, uh, with PSVR 2 and all of that tech. So keen, very, very, very keen on, on where that's going to go. And before we go into CES and we can come on to your, your hands-on experiences with PSVR 2, maybe as our first topic, um, I wanted to also feature something that I thought was really for me from the Sony press conference, it wasn't the, the VR news that was the most interesting to me. It was actually this um, accessibility controller, Project Leonardo, uh, that they launched, which is a like a saucer-shaped uh, 
customizable controller, so the button layout can be physically altered uh, to help players with disabilities play easily, comfortably, and for longer. Um, Xbox had done something like this uh, a couple of years back now, which we had featured on the podcast at the time, and it is not yet confirmed that this will work along with uh, PSVR, but I would love it if they were there, there were experiences which could be done with a gamepad, and I know that harkens us back to PSVR 1 days, but that compatibility, I, I really hope developers now who maybe have their um, software ready for launch can start to think about this controller if they haven't already been um, and build in support. You know, allow people who don't just sit in a chair or stand up like us to interface. You know, do like what I've been doing with Horizon, which is have the headset on, be in that amazing world, but, you know, uh, have your hands in a different configuration, you know, have a buddy there helping you out in terms of support. Uh, you can map, actually, these controllers. You can get two Leonardos, the kind of left and right sides, uh, and a DualShock controller, so you can get the help of a, a friend or a family member, for example. But I really want, I, I really love this kind of stuff. When a big company decides to open the door to people who are otherwise locked out from so much on the world, um, and to bring them to places, again, like Horizon, man, blow their minds. If anyone deserves it, to have their minds blown and to be, you know, freed from, from the jail of physicality, it's, it's those people. So I'm just, like, super enthused about this it's a really radical piece of like hardware equipment. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm excited for people who are going to get the opportunity to play in a way that they haven't before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what, what made me really bummed out about it, uh, specifically the the Sony variant, is mm. that they didn't uh, allow you to adapt the the inputs, uh, which is create custom ones. Which is the uh-huh. the Xbox variant actually gives you access to the actual analog output, so you can actually add or create your own custom inputs. Um, the Sony one felt very targeted to specific joints. Um, it made me, it kind of went like, oh, if you can't use your fingers, you can probably use your toes. But what about, it, what happens if you don't have toes and you're actually really are now creating custom inputs? I, I, I've worked with a lot of people that use inputs mm-hmm. under chins, right? They're, they're actually yep. the, the right side. They actually can control and play games with their with the muscle be- for their neck so there's a lot of weird inputs and the the xbox variant allows you to create custom inputs for that where the x where the playstation variant kind of gives you uh selectable buttons it does give you the input to kind of use another controller but now you're kind of if you have to create like a solution for analog for example you can use yep. the analog on the controller but that's kind of where you're left at right yeah. where that that's kind of where i kind of felt like man i really want to love this but is it truly accessible if they're really kind of not giving you the ability to really create a custom input peripheral like the xbox version does so i feel like they're yeah. almost there but they're not yeah. truly there yet yeah so it's still Surprising quite sony as mm-hmm. in it's quite proprietary in its nature and i like the fact that they did consider you know different pressure levels the remappable configuration the layout but the point that you're making and again we're kind of talking towards the heart open heart of of yeah. open source software and you know for the good of all i'm not sure sony's there yet and thank you for highlighting that, yeah. that that's a very good yeah, point it's truly important because we we often think of like the ability to interact with these games as just oh man you can't hold up to controller and use it but what about when you don't have the indexes 
at all and you yeah. have to really think of custom solutions and and um, that's what i loved about the you know there's I, I don't know if you guys know who ben heck is but he's a very well-known modder in the industry um mm-hmm. and he actually creates a lot of accessibility inputs and that's actually one of the first things that i that, I, that was highlighted it was like okay this is great but is it truly accessible if there is the the big market that is going to be using this for accessibility, which is the market that there's no controller option available, you need to think of them. That's like the first people you think of is the ones that nothing in the market is viable for Works. them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This this input technically can be Perfect. used by anyone. It it it, it, it sucks. It's it's kind of like a weird roundabout way. It's like it's almost there, but it's just like just give people the option to map out like an auxiliary, so now they can create like a little you know button for their jaw for their teeth. It, it's just it's a simple it's a simple add-on yeah. and i don't and see it doesn't why they seem did to it. be a it's, it's not a commercial threat to, to sony as no. far as i can uh consider right it's just you're you're opening up because uh it, again it's like on a software layer having an api you're just saying you plug in here you have your extra accessory and it's going to be read through and interpreted in the right way i think it's an yeah. excellent point that you are making um thank you for highlighting that uh, adam you were trying to say something there as well I know it's surprising that they wouldn't have done that, actually, because I I didn't Hmm. read too much into it. But after hearing that, it's like, yeah, why? I wonder what what the reasoning was, if there was one or they just I don't know. Very weird. Sony has historically hated modular, modular like functions for buttons, like, for example, like the turbo button for controllers. Sony has always hated those functionalities because they feel Mm. like it's breaking their ecosystem or some input. So maybe there is some kind of reasoning that they were like, hey, we don't want to create open up the floodgates for custom peripherals to be brought in or 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 whatever. Sony's very, very locked when it comes to custom peripherals. We can uh, we can scan this down on their pages a little bit earlier. Anikaze in mm-hmm. chat was saying from the product page, um, this 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 comment about a 3.5 mil aux port. Um, so Project Leonardo is expandable through four 3.5 mil aux ports to support a variety of external switches and third-party accessibility accessories. So okay. I don't know if that's. That possibly perhaps. is okay. That does answer my question. That was not in the the dev unit that they had on display. I would. That's exactly what I was looking for. So if it does have mm-hmm. the expandability option to uh, to connect other peripherals, not just PlayStation controllers, because what that's what I was told. Then yes, if they're allowed third party peripherals, then that's that's the way to go. Could also be the uh, limits of the you know booth person's knowledge as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in true that too. Respect. So thanks again, Anikazi, long time uh, watcher of the podcast there. Um, let's move into, let's move into, uh, CES 2023 hey. finally. Cause I know you're all bubbling at the <laughs> brim, especially Adam and Jose who got to be there with their hands on everything. So we're, we're going to go device by device. Um, I, I'm going to ask and beg and plead that you give us your impressions of PSVR two first and, uh, first and foremost. So I will, I will say no more. Um, who wants to go go first into yeah. PSVR 2 impressions? I, I, can I go first? Just because I know Jose is going to get into all the technical stuff, which is my, my yeah. weak point. So mine might be shorter <laughs> anyway. But um, yeah, so I, I was able to book a demo. I was super excited. Um, and this is coming from you know someone who's also played the Horizon games. So I can give you a little bit on my thoughts on the game as well. Or what I, you know, the 15, 20 minutes I got to try. Um, I will say the my favorite part about 
the headset were the haptics. Like I actually kind of forgot about the facial haptics. So getting to feel when like a tall neck goes over from like the left side to the right side, not only with the, you know, the new haptics they have in the controllers, but also on your face, it really, it added another layer to the immersion that I, I, I didn't even think about. So that, that was really cool. I think the haptics alone were one of my favorite parts. Um, Quick question, Adam. Is that oriented then? So was it a sweeping feeling? Can you describe like, was it or was it just like having an N64 rumble pack strapped to your face? No, I I feel like it was actually oriented towards the space. Like it it felt um, smooth going from like left, you know, foot stomps. You feel on the left, it lifts up the foot and then you could feel it on the right. Like it felt I didn't it didn't feel like vibrating face. (laughs) Because <laughs> that would have been like, Good. what is happening? I, I don't like this. This is weird. Um, the the I can't give much on the cable other than I didn't notice it. It didn't seem heavy, but I was also, you know, I'm at a convention center and this guy's talking to me and people are taking pictures. So there's a lot going on. But I, I at no point did I ever feel like, oh, this is a bummer. Like I have a cable on me because there was just so much happening. Um, I will say that... I uh, going back to the eye tracking a little bit. I did like that, but again, I, I don't have AD, ADD or ADHD. So um, basically, yeah, in the menus, he's like, okay, look at you know start or whatever. And then I I don't know if he was pressing X or I could press it or I just pressed it after you looked at it for a set amount of time. Um, but I think there's probably multiple options there for that in the at least in the Horizon game. Um, but yeah, it was pretty much uh, to calibrate the eye tracking initially. It's like they had, I forget how many dots, but you you follow these dots with your eyes. Uh, they're kind of in like a weird ring. Uh, and then the second part is on like a black screen and you just kind of, the, the dot moves more smoothly. So they say, you know, move with your eyes, not with your head, obviously. Then it's on a white screen and you do kind of the same follow movement. And then that's how it calibrates your eyes, I guess. Um, Quick question. Do you have to do that? I rem- I'm thinking back to like the... Um uh, the Xbox Connect days, where you had this little smiley card you had to hold up to calibrate it every time you played. Do you have to do that calibration every time you put the headset on? I'm not no, sure. Um, it's saved. I asked them that. It saves onto the into the into the console. Um, it will only trigger a room setup if it detects that the environment changed significantly. So if it detects like a little obstruction near you, it's just going to probably let you know, hey, there's obstruction. Just like the Quest 2 does, where it kind of highlights red if there's yeah. something in there in your play field. It will just tell you, hey, there's something in your field. Do you want to recalibrate? But it, it's the eye track data is saved onto the headset itself. Onto the headset. That's what he told me. Not the not the console, which was very weird. He said that. But he, I, I was like, you said headset, not console. He's like, yeah, the headset has its own settings saved onto it. So right. I don't know how much that is, but eye tracking data is on the headset itself. Okay. And what about, um? we got this question in chat. So I'll just, Funky Sloth asks, was it comfortable? Yes. I thought it was, well, I will say um, not ponytail friendly. Uh, if anyone has long hair or other females. So I had to remove my ponytail. Maybe I could just move the ponytail somewhere else. But other than that, uh, yeah, I found it to be very comfortable. It was very lightweight. Like, I didn't have any issues with it. There, the only issues I had was because it's not my headset. I probably would have adjusted it a little more. I was also too afraid to look really high up because I don't want to, you know, wreck someone's expensive headset. So, But there are th- little adjustments I could have made where it could have been more perfect for me. <laughs> but, um, I yeah, but I thought it was comfortable. Like, once I get it in home, I know I could adjust it to be even uh, more to my liking. But um, 
as far as the uh, the controls, if you've you know played on a Quest, any other VR, anything, it just felt very natural. Um, luckily, the game tells you. It, it shows you if you're like press X to do whatever instead of having to like what's the X button? It'll it'll show you a layout of the controllers so you can kind of feel for where that oh, button nice. is based on the uh, visual. Which, thank God because I'm like I don't know what the X button. I don't even know what the buttons on the Quest are most of the time. I don't remember. Like. Uh- I know, Rowdy, you're saying thank you, like, you're glad for that. One of my, like, in the 2016, 2017 era, one of the things I hated was, I know these controllers, I'm playing with the system all the time, and they would do these ghost, like, tooltip, you know, coming out, growing out of the controller like a plant, and you couldn't get them to go away. If that's optional... I'm fine with it. But otherwise, if it's always there, it's just an annoyance. Wait, well, luckily, it wasn't a ghost. I don't, I don't think it was, it's it always flat. there. It's the yeah. tutorial, I think. You can remove right? it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was during the tutorial. So it, it would be like a, yeah. a scroll would come up and it would be like, to dodge, press this. and But the image would be on that scroll that you see. It wouldn't actually be on your hands. Um, so yeah, that. Yeah. So you could get rid of that as quickly as you wanted. Um but that How I are the controllers in hand? They just, they just like the weight of them, and um, particularly if you bring your hands close together, like they look like they're a little bit more circumhandle. I'm gonna make a word up. Uh, like they're they're going around your hands, and so bringing them together was that difficult or cumbersome in any way? It felt natural. It was hard for me because uh, my left controller was dying, and, and there was a lot of like just Bluetooth everything happening. So occasionally my left hand would kind of bug out. And I think that would cause me to sort of force me to clack them together because the hand wasn't appearing, unfortunately. But uh, I, I don't blame them necessarily on that. He, the guy was, I was told the guy was ready with another left controller ready to, <laughs> to swap out. But <laughs> I naturally, like without the bugginess of my left hand disappearing, um, I didn't clack them together. Even when, you know, getting an arrow and having to, you know, knock it on your bow, um, I didn't have any issues. And it just, it felt natural. It felt like any other controller um <laughs> that we've tried really so I, other than the haptics being really good of course and the, but, the the design of the controller to what you're saying is that it, you never get the sense that you're going to hit them each, with each other because they have like a moon crescent moon kind of thing where like if you put them together you make it like a perfect sphere sort of thing so even when you go over the headset there's nothing obstructing the bottom of your palm only over it so even if you're moving the headset over it's a very clever design mm-hmm. so it, it's actually designed enough that even if you move your hands really close together like this the, the the actual shield over your hand will kind of like crescent moon over each other, so you never right. actually connect the controllers. It's very it's very smart. That's that's, that's really uh, it's really a nice kind of feel. And how are the haptics on the controller itself? Would you say <laughs> you know in combination with the headset? Did you notice any um, if you were feeling haptics in the headset and in your hands? Was there any delay between those signals, or were were you finding that those were in sync? I didn't notice a delay. Um, I thought having both together was epic. Like it was really good because like, again, any um, explosions or rumbles, uh, you know, heavy footsteps, like t- to be able to almost it, like you can, you, don't, you didn't feel it feel body because it's only hands and head, but it felt a lot more like you were in it just because of the, the way that they did the haptics. I will say it's probably one of my favorite parts. I really did. Yeah. Really did like the haptics. They did a really good job and the, you know, with the draw of the bow, because they got kind of the the more sensitive, uh, you know, triggers and everything. I don't know. That was, that was like one of my favorite parts. I, I was super yeah. excited after that. 
That's um, what stood out to me the most about this demo, too. It's 100% hardware, hardware, hardware. Um, the perfect synergy of using just the individualized motors all the way up for the facial tracker into the hands. Adam mentioned it earlier. You actually, it's, it's the magic of feeling the vibration swing from the right side to your left side. And you actually feel it starting from your fingertips going up to your hand. And then immediately you feel it on the right side of your face going left and ends up in your hand. It creates the magic oh. of vibration around you and it, it's it's incredible they do that in perfect synergy with the sound design so it kind of just it, it immerses you in a very powerful way it, yeah. it's that's the, that's what will, i tell the, um, gaps, right? the best way to describe the psvr2 it's what we're already used to with high-end pc vr just accessible to to the rest of the world um that's what i couldn't stop thinking about this is the the index for the broader industry it's really it's really fun um the, 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 the synergy new, between no. haptics like, the, the, we don't yeah. we don't have something like that really no in absolutely PC not world, this so. is that's that's what you get, get from a triple a you know game hardware company that that knows what makes it to to get you connected into the video games it's it's hardware quality assurance it's software quality assurance in terms of visual uh clarity and and it's it's we've seen it before this is you have a, a valve index at home you're not going to get anything better than this it's just yes the inputs the 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 haptics the the way that the software um is perfectly showcased in this hardware that's something you can only get from a company that knows video game design i, I would think um, about the colors and like the uh the field of view are you saying it's kind of on the on on level with index i know you're a, a i would say with user, it, i would say more to, it's more on 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 the level of the quest pro um the lenses definitely um the field of view felt more quest pro-ish to me um it's all i could think about was the quest is that, pro is that better than index i assume it is oh yeah um yeah. but the index has the comfort levels the the accessibility of you being able to do so much with them right that that that's what i mean about the the feeling and the experience you have an index at home you can probably do anything with pc vr um, if you want to add haptics, you can get, you know, haptic suit, tech gloves, whatever you name it. You can modular yourself up from there. Um, this is accessible. This, that's what the PSVR 2 It's that accessible solution for all of that, that we kind of been always chasing and adding on to, to, to get to, to get to that point. This is just ready out the box. You want to have complete immersion from haptics and sound design, get the PSVR 2. What worried me was that they didn't allow you to try the PSVR 2 audio solution, the actual on headset audio. They had mm. me using the over the ear, high yeah, end. Pulse 3D. Headset. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if without that, there is going to be an immersion lack, but um, where's, it, it, where's we have to jack? try it. Sorry, where does the 3.5 mil jack uh, appear on the headset? back sides question you know? i did not see it i'm gonna assume in the back because i there was I, pretty much all the inputs were near it I, they, they did tell me that the charging port was near the back also so i'm assuming okay. maybe the audio is somewhere near that or in the front um that's a good question i actually did not check i was so i i was i, did I got quickly into into <laughs> just seeing the visuals and Get and, and getting they, they actually didn't want you looking at the headset very much they merely kind of put you in there it's and like get you ready to start and then out of it right just just feel yeah. the experience that's really i've, I've um, heard it was a very 
heavily regimented like demo area. Yeah. And, oh yeah. Um, they were and not fooling didn't want around. You filming, <laughs> they, they strict actually, timeline, all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Right? They they were actually um, very not pleased with me during the demo because I, I'm a gamer, so I kind of know what I'm doing. So I immediately started playing Horizon. And there's a there's a there's a there's a part in the demo where you are supposed to grab onto the ledges and kind of swing your way up to the mountain, climb up and get into a boss battle. So I don't know what happened where my controller, I think it was my left hand glitched out and I guess the controller flew me upwards. So I ended up <laughs> flying over the ledges and I ended up landing on top of the ledge, which you're not supposed to walk over. And so I was like, okay, well, let me just walk over the ledge. So I'm like struggling through the ledge to the other side. And the guy's like, that's not funny. That's not funny. Grab onto the ledge under you. I'm like, okay, I'm so sorry. It's not my fault. So, yeah, it's the they were really... like, it's like, they also, uh, He was not like, happy. Forced, or I wouldn't say forced. Maybe if I had asked, I could have had the normal smooth movement. Um, I mean, there was, uh, they did allow like smooth <laughs> turning and stuff, but they there was like three different comfort options and they, we picked the middle yes. because they made you pick it. And that's the one where you have to, in yep. order to run, you've got to pump your arms, which I was like, oh man, I gotta, now I gotta there's somebody to film. blame for that. There is somebody to blame for that. And the, the, the guy who gave me the demo told me specifically why they're not allowing the advanced movement. And it was because Bradley Lynch tried it. <laughs> Sadly, as Bradley tried the demo, they let him use it, and apparently he tried. He was messing with smooth turning, and it was. And so apparently the game is not optimized for smooth turning yet. So it's like rendering really uh, slowly when it's not in your peripheral. So he was yeah, moving that. so fast. So there's a lot of video surf that surfaced of people seeing the screen kind of glitching out. And it ah. went crazy on the forums. So it, it's, uh, yeah, that, there's the, <laughs> I asked for that too, and they did not let me. It's like, nope, snap turning, snap turning. Nope, Damn, nope, nope. And I was like, Great. come on. But yeah, otherwise, I, uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to touch on the I game I was going to say the same thing happened to me at PAX East when I went, <laughs> is I tried, got to try this game that had been lagged for ages and was on show by Sony, which was Ghost. Day one, I went in just before they opened, tried it out broke the game and then they didn't show it to anybody else and i was like i'm so sorry Good job. they're like i thought you were showing ghosts i was oh, like oh fault. no so brads are Dude, bad the guy, I think the guy reset my yeah. demo because i was like i was plowing like i was i, I jumped like a whole entire war it wasn't my fault to be honest like the, the controller glitched uh -huh. out i think um one thing that i did notice and this is uh, yeah. not something that i want to confirm because obviously tests have to be made but yeah. I noticed, and Adam mentioned it too, a lot of people started having a lot of issues with their left-handed controller. I don't think that it was the controller itself. I think it was Apple Watches or smart devices. Oh. Um, usually people wear smart devices on their left hand, and the yep. left controller was going crazy for a lot of people. Um, I did have some people try the demo out without a smartwatch, and they had no issues. Um, so I don't know yeah. if this, that was just placebo, but it, there is a possibility right. that smart devices might mess with something. I think um, in terms of the amount of testing and also things like FCC requirements for electronic interference, I would imagine that they would have tested it with a, I'll call it more than your average home um, amount Hopefully. of electronic interference. And from what I've heard from people who've tried PSVR 2 outside of CES, there's not been tracking issues. So like that's that's... Absolutely not something I'm concerned about. Adam, back to your point, the uh, original fiery issue of the cable, I understand the cable length is a five meter cable, which is plenty long uh, for most setups. The only thing that I'm still concerned about is the the, the little USB-C connection at the front of the PS5 
anyone who's got their PS5 vertical, um, and then when that gets yanked, if it's not a like a MagSafe magnetic connection, and it is just a USB-C connector in there, someone's gonna total their console, right? By, by just pulling the cable and wrapping around their feet or something like that. So I'm, I haven't seen yet if there is a smart, by default, magnetic connector to PS5. But if anyone in chat knows, or if you guys have seen it, tell me. I hope because... not. Oh, please no, please no. <laughs> I'm I'm very anti-magnet chargers. That the, I know. The reason for, I, I have repaired so many magnet ends that get stuck inside the port charger. Yeah. Because, right. it, so I'm so traumatized of that. <laughs> um, second, real quick PSA, I don't know if you noticed them, but Sony said that you shouldn't have PlayStation 5s vertically standing anymore. Uh, there is a, that news is still hot off the press. I've seen yeah. uh, conflicting opinions this week. So I don't know if you've, if you've read all of it, but it, it does seem, I know there's the whole melting uh, thermals inside it, which can cause it to fail. If that happens to me, I'll buy yeah. another PlayStation. I, I yeah. really am not going to. I, I heard the thermal paste like leaking off of it. I was like, actually, that does make a lot of sense, but. I yeah, know, I, I, I saw retractive statements from Sony and, and the people who originally provided it. So I'm not going to comment officially on that yet, but uh, look it up. You know, if you got a PS5, yeah. one of the things you might want to do is put it on its side. I just think the PS5 on its side looks ugly uh, vertically. Yes, it's quite a 100%. nice, Doesn't fit nice console. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's huge. It's like a freaking yacht. Um, so what are the things you come away from? Like, should people who are interested in PlayStation and that whole ecosystem go pre-order if they haven't a hundred percent get it get it get it if If you're not if you're yeah go ahead if you're like a you know vr fan or you want an upgrade from uh the psvr one yes i i still would like to see more games for it that would be my only thing sort of holding me back but as far as just the hardware itself uh yes uh, absolutely i I would say i'm not really worried i'm not really worried on the game side personally because all of the vr launches that I've lived through have all been pretty light, but great things come. And I think because Sony's such an attractor to devs, I think there's money to be made there. And so I, I'm not worried on software personally, but yeah, Jose, and also the take? tracking. And no, I would say it's, it's, it's looking at the benchmarks that the hardware is hitting uh, for developers. The, the, the PlayStation five is an X86, pretty much same as uh, computer. So yep. the development is going to be pretty easy to port over. It's not going to be difficult like the PSVR originally had, where they had to kind of rebuild the tracking. This is a much easier porting solution. That's why they're kind of going. It, there's Sony is a very methodical. Uh, they 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 really like to make sure that developers who are looking at the ports that get announced. Oh, Beat Saber works on it. This is OpenXR. They they they're, they're kind of letting developers know through the software launch games that this is completely easy to port towards mm-hmm. um in terms of the hardware yeah once again this is a quest pro if you're if you're really looking to get into the best of vr and uh, it's very easy to to get into this um i love the the quality assurance in hardware um i would say it feels even better built than most of these uh headsets it's it, it's designed for this is designed to fall on the floor a few times i was it's gonna ask to, you that yeah, it, that's what I look at. I, I, you can kind of feel a premium hardware just based on how you feel, how hollow it feels, knowing where the where the motherboard is, the mechanical interior parts are. It's like, oh man, if I bash this, you know, front face first, you know it's going to be safe because like that, of the like way the it's hollow through the top. 
that's the thing. The PSVR 1, when I first got it out of the box, I still remember to this day, I felt like if I have a nephew or a niece, I am not letting him toy with this headset because yeah. they're going to break some part of it. It didn't feel as solid as like the CV1 or any of the DKs, right? It just didn't feel not fra- it felt fragile to me uh, yeah. and now the it plastic lifts, right yeah the plastic died after three years or whatever started flaking but the, the unit actually survived i saw one really nasty one where someone had left it on the ground and a dog chewed the thing up but um aside oh. from those horror <laughs> stories on reddit um does this one particularly at the hinge the facial gasket part which i heard yes. is like an accordion on the outside that That's comes back to your it's, face. So one of my biggest issues with the Quest the Pro is that the gasket, the facial gasket, how easy it is to like kind of rip off. This uses an accordion style, which it's kind of designed for you to rip, forget that you can, that you're supposed to slowly slide it off and pull it off. So if you kind of do it quickly, it, it, I actually did it on purpose at the end of the demo. I kind of like took it off as fast as I possibly could. And you can feel like there's, I, I'm going to assume it's, it felt like an elastic cord on the inside that I felt like it immediately tugged it back once I pulled it off. So it, it helps it keep it in place. There's just little, uh, uh, I don't know if it's like an elastic band that's inside of it holding the accordion in just to, just like as a second uh, tug. But it, it, there's definitely a lot of, once again, hardware quality assurance. The cable, the end of the cable where it, it, it comes out of the headset, there is a uh, two cylindrical, and you can tell that they're actually uh, printed onto the plastic molding of the cable sleeve, which... Mm. That, once again, things I think about is ripping the cable off. So you can feel that there's like a plastic ball bearing on the other end of the cable. So you can technically, you know, use this as a as a lasso and, you know, <laughs> swing it at somebody and know that the, the headset's going to stick to the cable. Just, Those are the things just to I make think it clear about. for all of our listeners, like if you break your headset, it's Jose that will that will cover it, not F-Reality. If somebody does a demo of using the PSVR 2 and they're swinging it over their head, I will love that video. Somebody please send it to me. I can't. No, I'm one of those people who... When people abuse hardware, it hurts me. Like, I don't oh, like yeah. seeing that. I, 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 I absolutely love that you're saying that because I know someone's going to do it now. But I, Jesus, I can't Lord wait. Almighty. Someone's just going to just lasso it over their head. Oh, and, God. And you, you, don't, you know, think about all the demos that we have seen in VR, like the headset hanging over the on the hook and somebody falls and the headset's hanging. Those are the use cases that I think about. It's like, man, like I, I want to make sure this headset lasts a very yeah. long time. And yeah. the PSVR 2 does give me confidence from just holding it, feeling, just grabbing it, putting it on. You can tell that this hardware is going to last. The plastic feels really good. Did you last I wish on I could CES see. as well or no? I wish I could, man. I don't think that would, I, I think that would have been my last CES for sure. But <laughs> <laughs> you guys, some questions in chat here for you. So I got to yes. bring these up for both of you, Adam and Jose. Uh, question was, um, well, I guess the one's for, for Jose is, um, is the Quest Pro... Uh, or the PSVR 2 more comfortable, like after 30 minutes? I think it was a 20-minute demo that you had. The Quest Pro feels a lot more comfortable for me in terms of long-term use. With I the Elite I can definitely tell that the PSVR 2, after like an hour or two hours of gameplay, you might get some back-end back fatigue because the headset kind of still... Even though it's very light, it does still accordion over the front of your face. I hope mm-hmm. they release like maybe like a Halo mod or something like that, so it can kind of land over your head a little bit for long-term sit-down gaming. Yeah, um, you're talking about the Elite Hep Strap, though, right? Not 
The yeah, it's the Elite Strength. No, no, yeah, not not the original. No, 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 the Quest Pro Strength. No, no, no. The original Quest Pro. Pro. Quest oh, okay, Pro, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, no, okay. no, yeah. Because the Quest Pro at least got kind of feels a lot more closer to your nose, so it kind of lands, stands, kind of hangs over your nose a little bit. Where the Quest Pro kind of covers your entire cheek, so it doesn't kind of stay on your cheek a little bit. Um, that could also be like Adam mentioned earlier. This is isn't our headset, so they're not properly adjusted to our head sizes so maybe through that but um i would definitely say the quest pro is a lot more comfortable um than the psvr2 but the psvr2 the the hardware the way it feels on your face especially against your cheeks the the foam it it, there is enough comfortable materials being used that you really don't notice that difference unless you're purposely trying to compare it within you know with a quest pro and that's exactly what i did i had the quest pro with me five 15 minutes before i used the the demo for the playstation vr2 i used the quest pro just so i can have like a like a really refreshed thought of the quest pro but nah it, this if you most people that are going to buy the psvr2 don't have a quest pro so they're not even going to be comparing it you're not going to notice the difference um there's no Quest Pro in your world if you own a PSVR 2. You're not even going to go looking for it. Yeah. Um, and that's really, uh, that's some, that's the, what made me the most excited about, about the PSVR 2 is that this device might be the, the one headset to rule them all for quite a bit. Um, yeah, seems, anything that comes up have... for gaming. Yeah. I was going to say, it seems to have gotten a lot of the various factors right, and it seems to be a substantial mm-hmm. improvement from the first. There were two questions, uh, Adam, I'll swing towards your way. The first one was, did Horizon, that demo, did that have finger tracking? Were you able to see the dexterity in your fingers is the first one? Not individually, because I did try this, but I was also, again, having some tracking issues. I was able to make gestures, like a couple times I made like peace signs, and so I think it's maybe an accident, because I'm just like, you know, I wanted to see the, the fingers work. So I, I want to go into it more because again i ate i don't have add but i feel like i got distracted by other things after i did the ooh, it, okay i can see my fingers i don't think it's individual like you know the like an index have but you can at least in horizon have certain fingers or make certain gestures i don't know if that's gonna <laughs> if that's intentional or that's going to be useful in the game later on for anything but i was pleased it wasn't like you know like the lobster you, there's more uh, there's <laughs> no, more no. movements than just yeah the there grip, was individual you know? finger tracking like the end that like it felt it, this game feels a lot like half-life alex but in a dinosaur more optimistic world setting even though it's apocalyptic too but so a question there um someone was asking I, I, to me i guess this would be an obvious answer but um were the game graphics much better than psvr1 games i haven't tried psvr1 yeah. So I can't yeah, compare. It. It's, a PS, really it's, it's a PS5. It, it's it's you're gonna get the best graphics that the PS5 can push out. Um, yeah. It's definitely better that you're gonna get on an all-in-one headset tenfold. It has a dedicated graphics card. Um, in PSVR one is going way back now. Like in terms of the yeah. visuals on that, it feels like. I mean, I'm not gonna quote resolutions here, but to me, in my brain, it's like a. 800 x 800 by eye or something it's really low yeah. compared and they to made the, it work with the original playstation 4 we have to remember that the, the playstation yeah. vr worked on the original playstation know, 4 not, not the, the pro. ps4 pro I'm, so they yeah. really the breakout box like the the checker and, and, and that's what makes going back to the the value of the playstation vr2 is the software value the playstation vr introduced us to checkered rendering that opened up the floodgates to the playstation 4 pro which is the ability to take the, the renders upwards in software think about all of that value that's going to now bringing 
that that made the PS4 that the PSVR valuable or a valuable solution till now. Think of those solutions being brought into this high-end headset. So now we're going to probably see 4K checkered <clears throat> rendering to probably 8K checkered rendering, right? Because the hardware can handle that. It's running natively at 4K, but it's making, you know, all of that rendering is adding, you know, visual polarities, you know, uh, foveated rendering, which was something that I don't think the Horizon demo had. Um, and the, 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 the guy giving me the demo told me, it's like, Hey, you know, this, this will, will be able to do foveated rendering. And you start thinking about foveated rendering with checkered rendering. And now you have really, you know, wild details that are going to be brought into, into visuals that I'm, I'm super excited about yeah. that, that, that developers have a target hardware specification to go after it's not like the valve index all these other pcvr environments that you're going for a 490 plus the headset or a 3070 plus the headset you're going to get different skill up of graphics this is going to be the same every single time so they'll be able to mm -hmm. optimize this hardware you know think about the last of us that came out literally at the tail end of the original playstation 4 leading up to the ps4 uh, to the PS4 Pro, and people were like, "How did they get this game running 30 frames per second?" But they got it running. We're going to see those that value of tech and and software uh, development skills being brought into VR, which is what the VR industry yep. really needs. It's 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 maturing. That's what the PSVR 2 represents. It's matured hardware. Now the developers can go crazy and optimize to their to how much they possibly can with this hardware. We did get another uh, PlayStation VR 2 question. So VR Flight Sim guy said, hey guys, uh, what do you think of the lenses? Since they are Fresnel instead of Pancake, uh, apologies if you mentioned this already. Foveated rendering, um, that's that's the value. They, they, they're, going to, they're going to go after graphical quality in order for the lenses not to become a problem. Um, think of the, the best way to describe my they're aware that they're using different style lenses so the rendering is taking advantage of those lenses think of the 8-bit screens of uh, lcd screens back in the 90s how crts were being games were designed to optimize those displays so the games look a lot better and and yeah. it, it ended up in modern times like when you think of pixelated graphics their module they're, they're actually emulating what people saw on the screen without realizing that the developers were designing it a different way behind the scenes so it can look the way you see it because there were certain color maps. So the, the lenses, they're fully aware of the limitations of these lenses. So they're doing a lot of rendering tricks in order for the lenses not to become a problem. Field of view didn't become a problem because they're using a lot of uh, local dimming on the displays. So it mm -hmm. keeps you focused on what you're staring at. It's, it's just a lot of visual trickery. Um, I didn't really care about the lenses, to be honest. Okay. And um, question for Adam and then Jose, maybe. If, let's still give him some word budget. Horizon, the demo itself compared to the flat game. Can you tell me what you liked, what oh. you didn't like? Okay. Um, I think that this is going to be sort of like the Index Half-Life Alex bundle. Like, you know, it's the perfect game for the hardware that's coming out. Um, if you are a Horizon fan, it, it felt at home. You know, there's a lot of climbing. You're going to be using a lot of bow, a lot of getting to see a Snapmon in VR, like made me smile. I was so happy. Um, I will <sighs> say, though... I don't know if this is specifically because of the um, comfort options or if this is going to change, but the 
the combat is kind of weird in that instead of being able to free roam, you're on a track. So the only things you can do is dodge left and right with the, the thumbstick. You can't actually like free move around. So you, you kind of get like into an instance locked combat once you're in battle with something. So, yeah, you don't it's have like a free dance. Work. Did you yeah. battle more than one enemy or was it always a single enemy that you were up against just one because the other ones were more like environmental battles like it was a cut fancy cutscene. you know what i mean but this one mm. when you actually got into a battle with something and then it did the tutorial it's like oh you know you use the joystick go left and right to dodge so you're pretty much just going left and right um mm. i i will say that i i don't know if the eye tracking is also tied to the the bow but i, I feel like it was because i feel like even though my shots were like i'm holding the bow out and somewhere stupid but i'm looking at the target um, I was more accurate that way, which was interesting because I was like, oh, I'm not going to hit this. This is stupid. And then I hit it and I was like, oh, maybe is that because I was looking <laughs> at it or because I'm actually yeah. better than I thought I was? That's That was one of the weirdest things that worked very well with the Luke Ross mod for the PC game uh, was that it was head. So gaze based or like your crosshair is kind of in the middle of your VR screen. And even without a reticle, being able to pick a particular piece of armor on any of the horizon enemies and shoot a bow at that spot worked very well. So I was curious if the eye tracking was going to come into this, particularly in something that I saw in a YouTube creator called Jay Brat. His video was talking about the fact that the headset has the four cameras more forward facing than like the quest. And you have the two controllers. And when you're pulling back uh, what it was doing to kind of lose the, the backward position of the bow. So I'm very interested if either of you had issues with, bow lineup um, mm. or any swimming in the bow during your demo i had issues with the bow lineup ironically enough in the boss battle when mm -hmm. they put me in the track um uh, i felt like I, I was very limited which was very weird it was almost like i got placed into like an invisible yeah an invisible track that's the best way to describe it um and your movements feel very limited like you only f can shoot up like if you try to shoot behind you you can't so there i don't know what they did if they created like some invisible restrictions in your movement style that kind of breaks how you're you're supposed to aim but um I didn't know that I was not good at aiming during the boss you know battle. What? There's a, a section prior where you hit targets and those I was like knocking yes. them out the park. It's funny that you mentioned that because I'm also wondering if because if they are using eye tracking to also help with your aim, then if why we did terrible in the battles is because you're kind of looking at everything, right? You're not in Horizon. You want to shoot mm. off usually particular parts like, a you know, you want to get the eye of this creature. But I'm looking at like kind of everything and looking at my hand, looking at my bow being drawn and then like looking at the floor and, and looking at where the thing's going to attack me. So you're dodging. So I wonder if that was almost a disadvantage if it is using eye tracking yeah. for that as well, which I don't. It was have very weird. It, 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 yeah, it, it's very it's very odd that they introduce so many cool like traversal mechanics until you're in a boss in battle where the traversal mechanics are supposed to highlight and bring value. Mm -hmm. That's what made Half-Life Alex very fun is that you're you're tra you're battling the same way you traverse. You're grabbing stuff, throwing Hiding it to the zombies. Stuff shooting yeah. them yeah that would have been there's barrels you can interact with them like during the demo like just little intricacies about vr there was like a random little lock and a key and you grab it you open up the lock pick and you can feel it in the haptics while you're trying to unlock it things that we have seen with vr and haptics before it's just very fun to see them come to a, a home console in vr but yeah it, it it, it almost feels like this feels more like a tech demo than the game that's why i really 
that that's why I let you answer the question, Adam. But for me, yes, I played Horizon. I love the story. I'm more of a mm. a stormy a story based gamer, anyways. But in terms of mechanics and enjoyment of the game, it's, it's everything you've seen before. You played Half Life, Alex. You have played you have yeah. played this game before. Uh, the traversal is very lame, in my opinion. Yeah, it feels more like a dance battle than than a fight because you're going in circles around a monster it's like what <laughs> like like yeah, let me had, run behind it or something yeah we had we had that another and that's the lack of freedom of motion if that's a core game mechanic is probably gonna break the fan in me who loves horizon because yeah. i love jumping dodge rolling between three four thundering gargantuan dinosaurs running around sometimes trampling me you know what i mean and it made me sad to have that be limited even if there's multiple enemies in combat to to be limited to a donut track to be encircling the the target enemy feels a little bit more like breath of the wild combat was right but not even it it feels much less it feels like playing breath of the wild and then all of a sudden the battle becomes a pokemon battle yeah, because everything's that's, timed. That's how it would feel. Because you're just it, like timing very, your dodges. It's very... Yeah, it's... The best way to describe it, it the, the, I guess, what because we're talking about video games, it's the when Final Fantasy thirteen came out for the PlayStation 3. It was the first really big open-world 3D AAA RPG, and they try to keep the same DNA of a turnstile RPG into the game. So now you have all these really cool flashy characters in 3D and high depth fidelity. And they're doing all of these cool attacks. But all you did was press X. So now you see this monster, this dragon in this world that you already know that you can traversal around. But now you're stuck into this circle dance with this monster. I'm like, wait a minute. Why can't I hide behind that shed that I was just there a minute ago until the fight started? You know what I mean? Why can't I hide behind there and shoot arrows at the at the monster, run away from it? It, it, it almost feels like the graphics don't accommodate for the freedom that you're giving. It, it's really yeah. weird. It's be, a big disconnect. And Hopefully, I, yeah. like uh, Skiva was mentioning, that he was able to run around freely, but then lock in for circular motion when clicking a button. So yeah. maybe there is some sort of button that you can... Because the tutorial kind of forced you into, like... Hey, you can only go left dance and right. Mode. Yeah, so maybe there is another option to <laughs> not be in that. Because I, I would. You want to tussle? I don't want to be in dance mode. I mean, it was. I think it's okay if I hadn't played Horizon games before, but after, you know, playing Horizon games and knowing how fantastic the combat is in there, and it's then amazing. and then doing yeah. this weird timed. They could have easily done a different story world. Yeah, if that was the and goal. That's, that's the part that I was going to say, right? Haven't done Luke Ross mod, haven't run full on Horizon, all the Ducks rolls in that, playing first person most of the time, loving it. Um, that fast pace didn't, it didn't jog my stomach in a bad way. The environment was incredible. Jumping up a tall neck was great. Like, I, I, I really hope, and I heard this rumor, and this is, this is what I'm going to say, I heard the rumor that they were going to redo Horizon Zero Dawn. And a lot of Redditors mm. are saying, why would you touch the per- our perfect game you know like why would you reboot that and i don't think they're going to reboot it i think what's happened is i think the dev studio has created horizon call of the mountain for vr the kind of doom vfr of the horizon catalog and i think they've now looked at what's out there and they're probably gonna now this is a big guess okay but i'm gonna make this guess i've made guesses on previous podcasts i bet they got infatuated with vr and they're like can we do that to horizon zero dawn and bring full flavor vr to that product oh, and man. yes you can but you have to redesign some core systems and if they do that yes please um so i'm really looking forward 
to yeah. uh, something. Anyway, look, the I'm, sense I'm of interested. Scale, yeah, I'm excited. I'm still excited. I'm not going to cancel my pre-order or anything silly like that. <laughs> but before we move on to the next tech piece, I want to ask you both the same question. You got to play with a lot of different toys at CES. Do any of those other toys, if you had to pick one device for 2023, do any of those other toys take the mantle for you over PSVR 2? At least for me, no, because there was a lot of in, for industry stuff. And I can't, I also want to clarify by saying that I didn't get to try, um, you know, Vive's new headset. Oh. Uh, <laughs> The handy's another story. I don't know if that's safe or stream. I, I was actually going to say the handy. <laughs> we got we to bring that in here. That's a mandate. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, there was so much stuff there that wasn't meant for consumers. Um, and so, again, uh, because I haven't, I didn't get a chance, unfortunately, to try the XR Elite. I will say that I think the PlayStation VR is one that realistically, um, you know, I would get over the other ones uh, again not having the XR Elite. The uh, Lynx is cool too, but I don't have enough use case for mixed reality yet to justify getting a headset that does both, I think, currently. Yeah. But um, it was still cool. But we will probably go into that in a little bit. Yeah, we're going to move into Honestly, that. Honestly, my answer shortly. is 100% exactly like Adam's. There's, like, yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of cool stuff out there, but it's not meant for home consumers. The, the PlayStation VR 2 is the benchmark. It, it really is. I haven't been excited over a VR headset since the Vive Pro. This is the Vive Pro for home use. It's really cool. I'm very happy that they stuck with the cable. Um, if they would have gone all in one, they would have lost the the graphical, the, the haptic fidelity, the visual fidelity. It, it's all there. Um yeah, Sonics and Haptics excited. for me make it uh, like I, I just to have that in a Sony product. Like I'm very excited having not put my face into it yet. But hey, we've only got like 30 plus some days. So, you know, 22nd of February is not far away now. Um, I'm very excited. I'm glad both of you have had a great time with it. Um, let's move on to some of the other other bits and pieces. If your if your PSVR 2 oriented question didn't get answered, uh, save it towards the end of the show. Uh, so that's our kind of PSVR 2 segment capped, bundled there, um, and we'll move on to the next bit. So I would say let's let's talk. The other one that's been creating a lot of buzz, surprisingly, after having been teased, uh, not yet put on a, a turnstile that I've seen, is the Vive XR Elite. I'm going to mention just a little bit about this because we haven't really talked about this. We just had it teased on previous podcasts. They tout it as an all-in-one XR standalone and tethered gaming headset. The price is just over a thousand U.S. dollars, and so for Rowdy and I, it's about fifteen hundred Canadian. Um, it's got detachable back straps for either uh, glasses-style frame, so you can wear this light headset uh, on your face, or strap on an enclosed battery back strap, which I think is a really neat feature. And we did see, sadly, it's Bradley leaked this um, almost to a T just a couple of months ago. So. Vive XR Elite. Jose, you had a chance to go head into this, I understand. So tell us, yes. what was it like? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a really cool device. Um, there's nothing in, in terms of internals that you wouldn't expect to see, like in a Quest 2, same hardware internals. Uh, the lightweight um, form factor is what stands out. Um, I would say this, I, I wasn't a fan of the comfort, even though it was very light. Um, it definitely made me kind of get to that point and be like, oh man, maybe... 
a really really light headset is doesn't mean the most comfortable headset there it, it it stays on the front very very kindly like it's very light feels very fluffy on your on your face but the actual straps that go around your head so it's it, the best way to describe it it's like it, it makes me think of like lobster claws because they're actually they're forced in so you have to like stretch them out and so like it kind of like grips onto your head onto the side oh. of your head like really hard it's actually if you don't you if you're using them light with the cable you got like that thing oh. like pressing onto your sides and then the cable running out i hated so, that feeling is that a lot a- like if you have a, a an overly sprung pair of headphones where the yes. spring is too too, yeah. too much and, it's just and it feels tight but the problem is that the headphones at least have like a, a large surface to kind of like pressure against you where right. the headset is using like imagine just straight up your index fingers and just press them against your sides yeah, and just I can just add slight pressure there where it doesn't hurt but just leave it holding on to there for a long term like is after it like a few minutes or grippy yes. or what what's on it the is end a of very it? soft hard plastic so it definitely feels like it's progging onto your sides when you use the battery backup where it kind of like feels more like a quest pro that doesn't bother you anymore but you got like a weird gap now that kind of like you can like actually put your hands in there but you could probably slip and headphones over under them so there's like a weird gap it kind of feels like a weird ring um the form factor is very bizarre um in terms of the light the lightweightness of it you it, it honestly it feels very light you don't feel it on your face that much you can lean back you can do a lot of relax or comfort based movements for VR that you normally are not meant to do. So you can see this now being applied for like yoga. Um, I, I was thinking a lot about, I forgot the other one, the meditation VR app. Um, yoga. <laughs> uh, trip. Yeah. It made me think of trip and I was like, Oh, this is the headset. This is probably what the flow was meant to do. And the flow couldn't really hit those marks this this is definitely the flow to it's the it's the comfort vr I, I really hope they redesign whatever issue they created with those straps i don't like it i think that they were testing them with an asian market with unfortunately i don't know how they could to say this but smaller body sizes smaller head shapes smaller skull yeah. yeah, smaller skulls, and and you and I had a very you know as a, as a big headed guy like me, I had a really tough time um, finding it comfortable. Man, um, until I tried the battery. Yeah, strap. it looks so sexy, right? I mean, think Adam, yeah, you're, you're there. So I know nice. you really wanted to try it, but I was just saying that's a problem I have with a lot of the like AR glasses styled when they don't have a head strap. Is they're all too big for me? I I can't. They like slip off because they don't grip my head that tightly. So on one hand, I'm like, ooh, I like that. Maybe I could actually. I I kind of wish I tried it. Now. Now, like mm-hmm. I might actually have something that wouldn't just slip off my head because it's not. Oh yeah, enough, honestly, but yeah, dude, it might actually slip. Like it might actually look like really nice goggles for you because <laughs> it, it, you can tell. Like if somebody, if if my head was just slightly smaller, I feel like it would actually wrap nicely around my size of my head. And now I got like really cool goggles, and it, it feels like seamless. I like the but look. unfortunately, yeah, it, it's, it's so a cool nice. kind of steampunk look. And actually, I was like. Seeing how Vive is marketing this, it feels like they've finally corrected something that I know we've said on the podcast for a number of years where they never seem to find the right market to target with their headsets. And this one, like, honestly, out of everything that's in the lineup for CES that you guys have uh, had a chance to try, this is the one where I'm like, it's around the right price point. It's about a thousand bucks, right, for a headset. I can use it tethered to my machine. I can use it if I was on a plane for a bit of entertainment type of thing. So... 
it's very attractive to me. And just in terms of its kind of overall product design, it wouldn't do the same job as like PSVR 2 is like my, you know, go-to gaming VR headset. But as that kind of middle form product um, that does a bag of tricks, it feels like it could do something nice. But um, I'd be curious. The commercial uh, space is going to love this. It's when you think of what immediately what I was thinking about was hmm. simulations like uh, space uh, racing sims, um, treadmills, uh, a lot of uh, devices. What? Why racing sims? Uh, why are you saying that? Oh, like in just terms so of- oh it, it's so lightweight, right? Um, if you're going to be, most people that oh, do racing right. sims, they're doing, yep. you know, full-on races with these. And they're already right. wearing a lot of haptic solutions on top of them. Now they got to wear like a, a Pimax <laughs> or a very heavy headset for them to get the, the visual polarity. The, the XR2 um, has been optimized enough now where PC streaming is really, really good. Um, I wish the the op, the the fidelity the the resolution of the headsets were higher than they could be, but for that form factor, the twelve hundred, it's it's perfect. It's a it's a right good. It's the perfect initial commercial headset. So, do you think this would slot in for simmers then on the comfort side? Yeah, um, if they were using it as a wired PC VR uh, oh, yeah. display, do you think this would replace, for example, the HP Reverb G two? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, but depends, right? For for because there's two types of G2 users. There's the the <laughs> high fidelity G2 users who who they they praise the lenses, and the ones that just praise the comfort levels. The ones that are going after the comfort levels, who are just using PC VR and the the computers are actually you know upping everything. Then yeah, you're not going to notice a difference. I, I think we reached the point where it's more about field of view now rather than graphics. So it's that's kind of where we're at right now. Much it, of a muchness. Well, it's good just to yeah. have a product that's supported by a company who's who's still doing VR. I mean, HP have kind of pulled their cards out, right? So they're. Yeah. they're it, I would feel uncomfortable buying a G two in twenty twenty three. hundred percent. Until until they have another product, right? So HTC um, delivered. Um, they. Yeah. I, I had a really good conversation with Josh Naylor, the the people at HTC, the the energy from the operators themselves, the people there, uh, the product, the, the head of products. Um, was very excited. Um, their business relationship manager, they uh, one of the first things he told me was, the reason I'm back with HCC is is because of the headset. You know, yeah. they they're very excited of the XR Elite. They know they know that HTC has been kind of been waited on <laughs> for a while, and he alluded like this headset's been ready for a while. That there were things behind the scenes that didn't allow them to to get into market first. Um, I'm, I haven't gotten that confirmed yet, but it makes a lot of sense. Um, Qualcomm, the, the XR2 chipset is in a very joyous and public, um, prosperous marriage with Meta at the moment with the, yeah. with yeah. the quest. So maybe there is some truth and validity to it, but this, they, they knew, they know what they have with this. Um, I, I'm My very request, excited. One more question for you on this, because it's an XR headset and touted that way. Mm-hmm. In terms of pass through or like that aspect of the headset, did you get the chance to try that or did you just try the yeah, VR? Yeah, I played around with mixed reality. I did a mixed reality demo. Um, they, I got it? to see their their menu navigation, which they were very excited about. They were like, "Hey, we 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 uh, adjusted our menus for mixed reality, so now you get to the the home." of your ex- uh, environment is your actual environment, and so they added a lot of cool features for that. Um, 
I try, but yeah, man, nothing, it's very weird to say this, but we are finally at the point where VR has matured enough from a software perspective that only the the high-end mixed reality devices, you're gonna start noticing things like, if you compare like a Lynx to any yep. of these other headsets, the Lynx will have the best pass-through mixed reality you can go for. Um, anything else is kind of the same. Um, the winner of CES, if we, if I were to be honest with you, was reference designs. You can tell that there is one design firm that's raking in all the big bucks from all these companies because they all feel the same. They fun. all feel like the same polished version of Android, just different, you know. So it's very hard for me to be like wowed by differences in pass-through. It's all little software color corrections that's happening behind the scenes. So it's it's mm. all the same. Unfortunately, we, that's, that's probably a good pivot point. Unless, Adam, you've got questions because you didn't get a chance to try it. I know you were flying out. Um, you have any questions for Jose before we move on to the next one? And nah, I'm just going to continue being jealous. That's OK. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's uh, let's move to links then, because this is not a headset that we've talked about recently uh, and maybe never with the uh, with crew V2. So uh, the Lynx R1 has a uh, an impressive color pass-through. It's a mixed reality headset. Um, first kits have been going out the door as well, so that's that's very interesting for those who have backed this. Um, Adam, you had a chance to go head-on uh, mm -hmm. with this headset, and I've heard very interesting things about it. Tell us all about it. Yes, I wish that my demo was more interesting than just solar system, but it, it I guess it was a, a good demo to show sort of the seamless transition, I don't even know if that's the right word for it, from going into VR to AR. So you start off, they put you in VR, uh, and you're basically, you have a demo where you can, you know, use the hand tracking with the ultralape to pick up planets and throw them or whatever. And then he tells you to step back. And at first I didn't understand. I was like, oh, am I gonna like step on somebody? And he's like, no, go further. And it's because you go, you go out of the VR space and it turns into like an orb. So now the orb that you were in, in VR, is in uh, AR and so, you, but you could still go in and take the planets out and move them around, you know, now in your mixed reality space. Oh. And so it, yeah, it took me a moment for it to click. And I was like, Oh, that's actually really cool. That cause you were, you were in it in VR, but you just take a couple steps back and now you can just see it from, you know, a different perspective, but still interact with it. Um, pretty much the same. Again, I wish it reminds me a lot of the original Vive, uh, HTC Vive demo, where you you had those bubbles that you would then, you know, portal sphere for your face or whatever, but at a larger scale, and then you're popping out of the bubble, I suppose, walking out of it and pulling pieces out into your space. Once you, when you were walking around, mm -hmm. was there any jitter or was the tracking pretty good? Not that I noticed. I mean, there was, you know, obviously some hand tracking issues, um, but I think they had like five, like five different headsets in the same <laughs> space. But as far as the transition from VR to AR, it was just, it was smooth. Again, saying transition makes it sound like there's some kind of screen or effect. But no, it was just, it was completely smooth. I think that's what shocked me the most on how casual it was. I was like, oh, this is, this is how a channel you could step back into it. And now you're in VR again. Um, and I did like the, thank God they had, I love the lift up um, the lenses. So then, because even when I'm talking to somebody in VR and looking at them, I feel weird that I'm not like like looking at them with my eyes so even just back talking to, to the, yeah so i just like to flip it up and i'm like oh yeah let me ask you some questions and then okay just go back in and i'll try this again so that was that was nice i i, I want to try half-life alex on that thing i'd be super curious i know that you can but they i don't think they had that at the demos there 
Why specifically that headset and Alex? I'm curious. Like, what? Just the VR capability? Just is the, was the screen particularly nice? Yeah, or? I, I, um, they are going to have separate, obviously, like light blockers as well, because that would be my biggest complaint for if you were just using it in VR. It's just like too much. I don't want to, you know, see stuff on the side. But I do like the like the modularness of it. Like you can, and and because it's so uh, so much of an open platform, you can kind of. Not me, because I'm not smart. I don't know. I'm do developer stuff. But you could developers could do kind of what they want with it. And it's very nice and it was very refreshing. And the people at the booth were all super nice. So I just had a really great experience with this headset. Yeah, definitely the best, the best color correction for pass-through. Um and, and that yeah, the segmented occlusion, the fact that you can that that we're getting now where where software we can literally off, uh, obfuscate like the real world and then create virtual bubbles that you can go into. Like there was actually another demo. Um, I forgot the name of the company. Um, Ant, I believe they 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 were just showing a lot of augmented reality displays, and they had a demo where they were explaining how they were using similar to what what Adam is explaining, but using hardware voltages so they were actually like injecting electricity onto the lenses which will create a pretty much like a shadows onto the screen so that the actual lens will go from ar pass-through mode to just straight up virtual oh I've just by seen... turning yeah <laughs> so there's a that. lot of cool stuff happening and and, and and what adam saw was through software where they're using pass-through at all times they just obfuscated the real world with a digital layer where it looks like you're in a virtual space so, that, so it's all software trickery that's that's what i what i was referring to like it's so seen, cool i've seen that technology used most interestingly in uh what was like a a business hotel room that I hope you're not there with a colleague or something because there was a switch on the wall that turned one of the walls. <laughs> I'm not joking. One of the walls of the shower went opaque to completely trans, trans <laughs> translucent. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that was, that was a pretty nifty feature. I was like, what's this do? And it was like, all of a sudden it's like, it's, it, oh it's so rad. <laughs> yeah. I, but I, yeah. I, doing but, that for AR to MR transitions is, is, is a really cool trick. I hadn't considered that would be uh that would be used. So that's, that's what cool. worried you said that was Ant? Ant was showing the displays. But getting back okay. to links um, with, with, the, with their demos, see, the problem with the links that, that, that worries me is that the links is such a great headset, but yeah, it doesn't have the, for me, as as somebody who, in, who, who buys a lot of tech, it, it's very hard to recommend to when you it? know, and not just not justifying it, it's just understanding their long-term goals, mm-hmm. right? Like the lenses manufacturer for for these headsets, like the actual person behind the, the lenses, yes, he created them, but the actual firm itself got bought out. So uh, the, everybody I talked to in the industry behind the scenes, they're like, oh yeah, but the creator can do it again. I'm like, yeah, but the creator will have to create the supply chain again, the metrics to recreate it. It's not as easy as redoing the wheel a second time, you know? So it worries me what mm. the future of Lynx is. Um, I would love to see them make an announcement and announce a third headset that has a, I, I don't care, tell me 2027, but if you tell me that you have a commitment to make another headset, I will I will show some support, but right now they're only focusing on the two headsets that we know will release. I want to know what the long-term support will look like when the biggest company that's about to enter the race bought you your your entire supply chain out. What's Got what's it. what's the value of the of the links at the moment? I can see that. 
2027 yeah. is just around the corner. Uh, yeah, so that give was me the something. Give me, give me something. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Lynx R1. Um, yeah. Very good. There were a few others. Now, just note, we are past the two-hour time uh, <laughs> there. So, so uh, not, that, not that we cut the podcast at two hours, but we'll try to go a little bit quicker through yeah, the, the next few bits that we tried. Um, why don't we hop over to another headset with similar capabilities, the Magic Leap, a 260-gram headset, which has, for those, it's an interesting form factor because it's got this heavy puck uh, that does the processing on your hip. So it's like battery and processing cable to the headset. The headset's rather rather light, as I said, 260 grams only. Uh, Magic Leap 2. I've tried I've tried the first one, but Magic Leap 2, how, how was that? How was that? Did you try it, Adam? I did. Um, the, again, it was one of those where I think the hardware was cool. Um, I did like that they had that little pack. Uh, they had a, for me, it was on a shoulder strap, but it has a clip in it. So you ideally would put it like on a belt yeah. loop or pants pocket. But like the only thing they showed me was just like, here's a car in the space and ooh, you can change the colors. And it's like, okay, I, you know, you can kind of do that on <laughs> a lot of things now. <laughs> so it was comfortable at least, like I said, I, because it has sort of that, strap in the back i didn't have any issues with it slipping off granted i wouldn't want to like whip my head around too much with it um still felt a little shaky but um yeah it was to me it was very meh just because i don't i personally don't have a use case for this you know so it wasn't something that i was terribly excited for or that i hadn't felt like i'd seen before i was more interested in just the like the controllers and the pack that had like the cpu in it and yeah yep. i don't know yeah, I've heard very... it was quite heavy on the belt. Um, but yeah. what was your impression of that? It was a shoulder strap for me. I hadn't. I I wouldn't try it on a belt because you know I wear lady clothes, so I probably would drag down most of what I have, and I also <laughs> wear dresses, so I, you know I don't think it would be a, a, something I could do. But I mean, otherwise, I, as someone who uses purses occasionally, it wasn't very heavy if you consider it like mm. the weight of like a, a light woman's purse, I suppose. <laughs> I, I don't use purses yeah, that often say. myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I had, like a little purse going on. And it's such a bummer, right? When you think of Magic Leap, you know, they're one of the OGs in the space. And now they, yeah. they're they nothing but a glorified, we can do this too, guys. Look at us. Yeah. Pay attention. Like the entire conversation at CES. This is actually, ironically enough, their first CES. No, and I, I was just, talking like, to them. Yeah. I, I'm just and, so angry at that company. Like, I, I really am. Me too. Like, uh, this is a company that back in the day was touted to be, you know, the next Apple. No, no joke. Yep, people were saying them. if you, there were there were people taking salary cuts just to go and work at this company because they'd be working on the next forefront <laughs> of the new technology. They soaked and up they had it so much funding. They took away so much funding from other people working in this field. And I, what did they do with it? They showed a, a, was it a crappy little elephant on a table. And that was... A little demo. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and that was like their big demo. They fooled investors, in my opinion. Um, I, I, they really left like a sour taste in my mouth that Man. I can't really... Anything they come up now with... Even though their demos, they, yeah. I mean, the videos, they look amazing. It's a marketing trick for me. And I, I they're going to yeah. have to really step it up and show something really different for me 
to pull me towards their end ever again. I I, I agree your sen- I agree with your sentiment, but from a different perspective. I did their demo when they were doing their early interviews in 2014. I did see their tech. I believed in their tech. The problem was that they were too they kept their cards too close to their chest. They were refusing to show people except investors. So in order for you to see the technology and believe in it, you had to pay a lot of money and that pissed off a lot of investors until look what happened to the industry a lot of companies went like oh we can do this better and mm. they took off yeah. with the tech and it became oh we invented it first but what's the point of yelling to to the to the clouds that you did it first like get something to the market and that's what the magic leap 2 is the magic leap 2 feels non-impressive even though it truly is it does mix reality very well the anchor the spatial anchoring is really good the 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 fact that they've been doing mixed reality before a lot of people goes to show um their devotion they're in a very good form factor space now they're the puck system i absolutely hate but i also believe in what you can do with it right imagine if you can add like co-spatial anchors that now all of these pucks are talking to each other and now you're creating you know multiplayer AR environment or things like that, exactly. but they're not going into any of that. Or maybe they are, but they're keeping it too close to their chest. They don't understand that the biggest investor in in your in the technology are the fans, are the people that are inspired by it. So, that is so if you're well not inspiring said, people, that is very very well said. I I, I love that that statement because um, I, it's something that I heard recently where someone said, "No one's going to run off with your idea." It's like yeah. you're building your idea, you're invested in it. Get the get the, the the wind into your sails right behind it. And it sounds like they've been ignoring that for several years and need to learn. Yeah, lesson. dude. It broke my heart when I was talking to the demo guy. He was like, this is our first CES. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I've seen you guys since 2014. What do you mean it's your first CES? What were you guys showing? <laughs> so it, it's just very, very unorthodox thinking. But I hope I hope they correct it because they have some cool stuff there. Well, I will never look at a whale the same way ever again. Uh, or thank an you, Magic Leap. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I never got to see that. I need to see that demo myself. Um, so with a similar slant, I'm going to go for Pimax as our next jump. Uh, so both the Crystal and the Portal were on show. And again, just reminding us of the Kickstarter behind that tech and it potentially shipping in January and all of this. I was very cynical about the whole thing. And I've heard a couple of decent reports come back. So two things. Uh, the Crystal is actually, despite its look, um, the, it's a standalone headset that can also tether to a PC. It's 2880 by per eye. And the FOV, depending on the lenses set that you pick, is somewhere between 110 and 125. So again, still that kind of wide field of view that Pimax is known for. Whether they cheat to get there or not is another question. Um, you've gone face first in this as well, Adam, which you... Let me know your uh, thoughts on that. I'm really curious. Okay, I'll go with uh, Crystal first, just because I, uh, contradictory to most experiences, I did not have a good experience, but it also may have been just the people that were demoing it to me, because their booth was always (laughs) kind of uh, chaotic, and so I came in a little earlier to see if I could get my appointment done with, and um, basically I was, the guy just gave me the headset to put on, so, and then he walked away, so I had to figure out how to put the headset on. And I, I mean, I could have figured it out, but I feel uncomfortable touching hardware that's like I've never put on my face before. Like, I want to make sure it fits right. Um, and then the controllers were still kind of plugged into their computer, so I had to sort of wait to like for someone to find them for me. Then another guy came back and uh, basically put the controllers in the wrong hands uh, for me because I could feel it. You know, the just the contour wasn't right. 
Um, I unfortunately was put into air car, which I've been told that for the crystal, things look better when it's close up. Um, everything was blurry for me. I asked the guy how to adjust the IPD, which he did know. That was probably the only thing he knew. Um, and it only went down to me for like 66 and I'm like 60. Uh, so I could not oh, really? get okay. a clear image on this thing and the you know asking the i don't know if i heard there were some volunteers there so maybe i unfortunately got a volunteer but you know i was trying to ask him some basic questions and he just wasn't really sure so eventually i just had to do one of those sad like okay well thank you and take the headset off and then walk away <laughs> so so not the best experience on that one no. and jose did you get a chance to try it yeah i i tried both actually i tried the crystal and and the portal um they have heard a few of my complaints about Pimax, so they actually, I, I met some people over at Pimax. Hi, guys. Um, they they, um, they definitely <laughs> the wanted me. They they actually wanted me to really try the crystal. Um, they, 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 it was a very white glove demo. Uh, I'm sorry that you went through that, Adam. They did, they did tell me that they, they had volunteers. Um, they were having some staffing issues. But, uh, yeah, I got to get some really cool time with the crystal. Um, I loved the visuals, the displays that they're using um, are pretty nice. The the comfort of the headset itself are nice. Um, I didn't like anything else but that. Um, the, the tracking was not great. The actual software interface was kind of warped. Um, I did meet some very smart people behind the scenes who are um, tackling that for Pimax. Um, they, I think they're very confident. Um, I, I don't know how much I can talk about that. I don't want to burn any bridges, but they, maybe, they, they have but, not lacked yeah, confidence. I would say exactly. <laughs> so they, they were they were definitely yeah they 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 were there to try to build as much confidence as possible in their device. They showed me right. a device that's very tight lip at the moment. Hopefully, we can talk about it soon. Um, they're Another they're committed. I, I would have to say this: if there's one thing that I could say about Pimax that I could say confidently now is that I think there's love for, for XR there. There's, there's genuine love for XR. There's genuine love for hardware. Um, I think what's happening is that they're now realizing that their ambitions might be too high <laughs> to what can be technically done. And they're yeah. now learning their lessons. Um, if they manage to fix the firmware on the crystal, if they manage to fix tracking to a, to a decent standpoint, they might have something on their hands. Um, mm until we don't we get that demo um until we get an all-in-one running and we can see it the portal why would you even display this thing why would you even put it on on the floor you know uh, why? it doesn't it's work tactile like people like looking at things that look like a switch if they're not vr they're like oh what's yep. this oh cool you can yeah you know magnetic things and then you can put them on a vr controller well, so it's like interesting to look at for non-vr people uh, I guess for sure. But I would agree with you if it worked, if the <laughs> software worked, like literally they had a, 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 a one with a, with Android crashing every time on display. It was like, what are you doing? Like, please fix this. Like what, what's going on? Like, this is, it, it's very weird. Um, how, how they're kind of operating, but they do love the tech. The The displays look really nice. It, it looks like they have the right hardware, but now it's the software, which is super bizarre. It's like, get the software first, guys. Um, 
there yeah um shout out to everybody over there at pimax thank you for for at least showing me some love <laughs> that was that was did really you get cool, to though. meet the sales guy the guy i saw yes, him in some yes, of the videos I did. Fun, yes i did him, how was he, he in person uh, he's he's actually was a really cool dude uh <laughs> I, I definitely have some admiration for the ponytail um <laughs> the guy's really cool man like um i love the people there they they it's just there is there is an ambition versus execution issue that i think that's what's happening and it yep. sucks, right? Because that's that's what tech companies go after. And if a tech company can't execute that, then you're kind of unfortunately failing at your core ethos, right? If you can't execute yep. or deliver. So I would say, like, that's exactly what I told them. I was like, guys, just focus on one headset. Just just do one headset. Did they, did they, did they comment to you about the, 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 the shipping, like for backers and stuff? Because I'm just curious for people who have backed it and who are interested the in that The person tech, that I was talking to... Coming? um asked that i refer to him as a volunteer i don't think he was mm-hmm. um they're not optimistic about shipping anything the, yeah, none yeah. of the the all-in-one i i hate <laughs> to talk i i don't want to be the person to talk about this stuff because it might be like exclusive but uh they're all yeah. in one firmware is completely broken um it's not usable they're they're actually working with third-party development teams that do uh third-party handheld operating systems on android in order to see if they can get something working at least get the portal out of, out of the door um it's currently not working their kernels are not working the firmware the tracking it, it's 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 a mess um from a software perspective and it looks like they're bringing in people they they, they flew in a lot of people for ces to come and mm-hmm. talk to them and, and see what they can do with the hardware i don't know if, if I, I don't see this releasing at the time frame that they said it will yeah well I mean, at least it's not a surprise to us if that's the case. Yeah, no, so, yeah. Adam, any final comments on on that with your time with the portal, for example? <laughs> um, not really. I just the portal is just weird. Um, it's just it's a strange thing. I, the only thing I I might like about it are the fact that you can take um you can use their motion controllers for flat screen game flat screen games, and so I thought that, but it's not like you could demo any of that there so it's just more of nope. like this is what they told you but uh does it work i'm not sure <laughs> i i made a joke about the portal being a very powerful home theater like emulation device and the guy went like Shh, we know <laughs> so they 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 kind of want this to be that they want flat screen gaming mm-hmm. to take off on this they don't they don't want this to be a vr head so this is a cinema little android device but why that, didn't they just do that has well, value like they could have just cut out they don't have a firmware uh, I, don't I don't know they probably <laughs> had a demo they probably had a demo working my my theory is that they had a demo working that was probably running like official android and they had like the google the google store and all of that stuff and they got worried of a somebody getting that demo and being like oh it comes with the google store and now they got to pay licenses and royalties <laughs> that's what i'm thinking that they probably that why because it, it, it's yeah there's there's a weird disconnect there between software and hardware which i'd never seen in a tech company before but here we are <laughs> <laughs> so there's a there's another player uh out of like a sixth highlight from ces that was curious, really curious about. They reached out to me, the podcast. They seem to be going everywhere. They're like, everybody, we've got news, new headset coming. And this is Ajna uh, XR, the Ajna XR um, by Ajna Lens. Um, and I don't know very much about this. I thought, for those of you who've gone face first with it, um, tell us about, I think it's an Indian it's, company. Yes, that yeah, that's what I liked. Go ahead, Adam. They're not <laughs> a consumer-based 
headset though. They're more marketing education or like job site. Um, I will say when I tried the headset, it was very uncomfortable. The the face, um, whatever face face interface they use is very tight, even for like female face, um, and it wasn't very comfortable. Um, and they, the demos they were showing, uh, they something I thought was interesting is they can take a on-the-job site peripheral. So in the demo they had there, they had like a spray paint gun attached their controller to it. So you can basically use the spray paint gun, like a real real one, as you would on the job, for example. Um, so I'd be interested to see kind of what other tools they can actually bring into VR. So you're using the actual tool versus a controller emulating a tool, if mm. that makes sense. But yep. yeah, it's, it's more, um, they're looking to like build their own platform and mostly in education and work training. But I think they're also, they're also involved in NFTs, um, which, you know, I just wanted to get that out there just in case. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, uh, you can tell that the, it, it's it, the most impressive, the most impressive thing about Asia XR is that it's a, it's an Indian company. They're, 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 they're targeting third world, uh, uh, countries. They're, they're definitely, want to they understand the value of xr they understand the value of training and accessibility so they know that the biggest hurdle into creating simulation training is the lack of really good simulation developers by them creating hardware solutions like peripherals like the one that adam mentioned the nozzle peripheral they make it easier for developers to just tap in these apis and say hey this is the nozzle attachment instead of creating like a seamless xr one-to-one recreation that which is kind of the the way that a lot of uh training simulations are going towards this kind of creates a a a half step measure that allows them to do it from a cost uh savings perspective and once again it's they they got the supply chain down in india um it's very exciting to see xr kind of hitting the 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 third world markets Mm -hmm. all right well that's a that's a new headset we've got and um there were three other little bits that i saw that i thought are worth just a quick shout out let me know if you got a chance to demo them first one was um very interesting mutax vocal suppressor in a steno mask form is a if you live in a like a small apartment block in japan and you're having your VR session and chatting away to your VR chat buddies, maybe you don't want the, you know, high-strung businessman who lives next door to hear your full conversation. So there's this device that goes over oh, uh, your bag. mouth to help. The feed bag, yes, it does look like a horse feed bag uh, for VR. And the device wasn't cheap either. It's like $200, I think. Um, so that was announced alongside CES. And I thought that was interesting. Was that on the show floor at all? Or was that just, did either of you see that? I mean, there was a lot. I didn't happen to see it in the like VR metaverse section. Um, So I'm not sure, but I think some people did get to demo it. So maybe they were doing it and either I missed it or they were. Yeah, I think Shiftall had a demo that, yeah, I think the Shiftall booth had them. I didn't try it. Uh, it didn't look fun. It didn't look inviting. They had a guy. They had a guy demoing it. He had his whole entire mouse strapped and yeah. all of the haptics on it. I was like, bro, like this doesn't this doesn't look enticing at all. Like, <laughs> like, like is this from Saw? It Where is this uncomfortable from? As hell. Yeah. Unhygienic. No, like like. I don't know if I'd want to try yeah, it. Like in a so much fluids that come out of your mouth no. when you're talking, like. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, didn't we just have COVID? Like, where? Why, why are we? <laughs> yeah, no, why I'm is good. This product I... <laughs> I'm good. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, that one. That one. And then the other one I saw, which was from um, 
Oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the dev team because I know them, but um, the Holoride, right, which was this partnership uh, for basically in-car entertainment uh, with Pixel Ripped and a Pixel Ripped build for uh, the Vive Holoride, I think. Um, those combining forces was kind of interesting. What I was curious about was uh, with your experiences with um, uh, Vive's new equipment and... Um, just curious if if uh, Holoride is going to use the new Elite, the new XR Elite, or is it still going to use? I forget the name of the old one. Uh, Flow. The Flow. The Flow. Yeah, they're they're going to move over to the XR Elite. Um, the Good. software for for Holoride is actually device agnostic. They actually have. There's no other devices that that currently right. can use it. But that was a very a very interesting quip that he wanted me to know. Um, he was like, oh, well, let me make sure you know this. This is not a HTC product. This is device agnostic. It's just the the, oh. the, the, the Elite is the first headset that can kind of accommodate with this very well. They oh. are talking to people at Meta. Um, he he wa They wanted me to know that. Um, they also mentioned a collaboration with Sony's new flagship cars with Hyundai. Uh, yep. or Hyundai, I think it's Hyundai, which are the Afila car line. And oh, they yeah. mentioned XR. Afila, the first car. Yeah, there's so many things about that that I just have to chuckle at. But um, yeah. yes, the Afila, uh, the car that's gone emo and is going to take us into the <laughs> it's future. It's feeling a lot of things. But that, that was the cool part is that, that, the, that they, they mentioned that the, the Right system is is meant for, for as many headsets as possible. That's good. But the only thing for me is, I mean, maybe with a plane, I've done enough toying with headsets in the air that I would say that in in domestic travel on in ground travel taxis even family cars something i still don't feel like i've got enough awareness of my surroundings if i put a vr headset on in that i feel like it's dangerous and so i I'm did not, not like the demo that, I, I i actually did the car i, I did the hollow demo car? at oh, ces right, cool. yes they they had the they had a tesla they went from one wing of the oh, of the <laughs> of the venetian all oh, the way up to the west so okay, the yeah, yeah they had a, they had like a little theme park it was like a loop, Hyperloop, I think oh, it was. Cool. And they had the Holorides there. And one of the things, it was exactly that. It was a sensory overload that I did not like. It was a, it was, it's a lot, it's the same feeling that I had with a virtual reality, actual roller coaster, is that when you're in yep. a roller coaster, you know that you're actually physically moving. So yep. you don't know what's in front of you. So even if though you're visually seeing something, your body keeps kind of telling you, hey, this is not real that what you're seeing and you have this weird sixth sense activated at all times and the hollow right does that they, they did a lot of cool yep. things to kind of make you feel safe at ease knowing that there's a building to your left because the hollow right game maps an actual like structure in the virtual world that and the guy tells you oh every single mountain you see is an actual building yep. so you know if there's a building there but it, it's still bizarre it makes you want to like lift the headset up just to make sure that you're safe like yep. i did it a few times where like the guy that was giving me the demo i amazing energy don't get me wrong but i kept just like with my peripheral just is he taking a picture of me for the demo like <laughs> is he doing something that i'm not aware of it's a weird a weird energy that it creates by being secluded in a moving 
vehicle. Yeah, that you don't see like people with us. Where am I like, going? I barely trust Uber drivers without having a VR headset on, let <laughs> yeah, alone having yeah. one on. Then Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, that's, that's the what other they side. mentioned. They mentioned Uber rides. They mentioned luxury travel. Not gonna. And I did not no. like any of it. I I I, yeah. I did not. To be honest, it, it, it's it it sucks because I loved it. I really did. I I actually enjoyed the tracking. I loved the visuals. I got immersed. But there's this weird thought process that's running yep. alongside your your mind. Like, am I going to get murdered? Am I going to? What if the driver is not is is paying attention to what I'm doing? Like he's laughing at me, you yeah. know, enjoying this headset. And he gets into an accident. Like just yeah. weird thoughts that go through your head when you're like, that, you can't that really I enjoy never thought it I would be because experiencing. you're just. I, I wouldn't even imagine little bumps in the road would make me like, what's going on? Like what's happening? Yes. You know, like. Uh, yeah, or, you're, or you're slightly too much breaking. You yeah. know, any, anything like is going to pull you out. Yeah, it's like an immersion tightrope that you're there at all times. Like, it, it doesn't get better. It's so weird. You're always on that tightrope. I like your metaphors, Jose. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, none of this stuff is going to fall out of my head after this podcast. <laughs> all right. So that was Mutex Vocal Suppressor, Hollow Ride, and Pixel Ripped. Um, and the third thing, which is neat, seeing Razor come into the game, is they announced the strap. Looks, looks very familiar to the original cloth strap of the Vive for HTC, the original HTC Vive for Quest 2. So seems a little bit late in the game to come into Quest 2 when Quest 3 is around the corner in 2023. But hey, Razer's come into the game. Um, are any of you Razer fans like Razer laptops, Razer mouse, you know, any of that? Not really, but <sighs> Not I like really. this one because it looks like I could use my ponytail through it like that's what so. i was gonna say oh my <laughs> gosh razor whoever designed that like you said it's like why would they come so late into the game yeah. they knew that the hair the long hair the female gamers people like me that love to just let their hair uncontrollable when in vr they paid attention like the the they use this this uh, the material the soft material inside the headset it sucks because everybody was talking about this like oh this is going to get nasty after a few a few <laughs> sessions but it's removable it's washable it doesn't rip your hair off. Like I, I actually, they did let me try it. They did. They had them on their display. You got to and I told them, like, That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Was it comfortable? I told them, like, Dude, looks I have long hair. Like, and, and the guy was like, yeah, we'll let you try it. So I got to try, I pulled it off my head. It, it doesn't because it's, it's, it's fabric, right? So it's kind of like yep. rubbing against your hair. It's not actually pulling it or tugging it behind the, the mm. latches, which is what That's I love good. the most. So I, I'm super psyched to just, yeah, put a ponytail and play some VR. Still, it's super I, I, I think the this price is like point way on. too late. I, I think, yeah. I don't think this makes a lot of sense anymore uh, <laughs> to have now. Uh, the, the only the only positive I take from this is that they probably will be able to release one faster for when the Quest 3 comes out. Uh, you know, yeah. they've iterated the design now. They know what works. So they probably just need to modify it for uh, for the next headset. But I don't think that this will be a success uh, considering it's so late. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. another option. There are a lot of like second market headsets. So like Quest 2s will get sold off and then it'll be someone's first VR headset. And that's the good reference, to see something different. Yeah, that's you that's what exactly what I, I don't want to say that. I don't want to place that bet yet because I might I might look dumb, but I might I would be shocked if like the Quest 3, I, I feel like the Quest 3 might end up getting revised one more time. I feel like the, mm. the XR2 chipset is proving that it still has way more life in it than we thought and it's it's actually really cool i i might think i'm, I'm starting to think as a man maybe the the quest 3 might have an xr2 with a higher clock speed but it might just be the same exact chipset 
because there's so much happening right now. I feel like the Quest 2 has maybe like a good four years of VR left in it. I, I, I agree with that. However, oh, four years, considering yeah. marketing. It's scary to think about, but. Oh. Uh, just just considering the marketing, I, I think that it makes more sense for for them to release a new headset, considering PlayStation VR 2 is coming out. Uh, I think they want to keep on being the newest headset on the market. And with newest, so. they therefore want to associate with like the newest tech, even though it isn't always the case. But I think that they're, they're going to, I don't think they're going to reiterate that once again. I think they want to bring that out as soon as they can uh, yeah. after that PSVR 2. I I I I, th I hope so because it would be nice. But man, there's so much. All of, every single headset that you mentioned that we talked about, they all run the same chips, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. same exact environment, the same exact lenses. It's like okay, like I want to meet the firm that's designing these for these people because I guarantee you, it's a team of four probably. It's <laughs> it's crazy. It, it's it, 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 it feels like the same DNA in all of these headsets. So. Shout out to whoever whoever has this reference <laughs> design patents, man. We'll get you out of future podcast. That's the person I want to talk to. Yeah. That's the guy who wants to see releasing a headset. No, <laughs> let's do it. XR2 Absolutely. Fresno lenses. Gaming science teacher made the great comment that it, it it could be good for seated or reclining experiences uh, because no other soft strap has that than the stock. So I mean, like having the back of your skull be able to lean back on something on a plane, in a recliner, all that kind of stuff is like, I, I really enjoy that. I really enjoy that. And um, like, even though I know the original Quest 2 head strap is soft and a lot of people don't like it, I swap in and out of that thing more often than I probably readily admit because lying in bed with it, you know, wanting to watch my kids and at the same time lean back on my couch type of thing is super helpful for that. I would never do that for two, like two, three hours. <laughs> so the elite strap I, or any other third party is, is, is a necessity, I think. But anyway, that's that's mostly CES wrapped up. Any final bits or, or fun stories you guys have? I know we're at two and a half hours here, but uh, I'll let you go. One one thing each, if you've got something yeah. else to throw I, I into the I think Adam will agree with me, and this is probably Adam will, will add on to this, but I would say shout out to, to the Impact Reality uh, oh, Upload yes. VR um party that they threw at ces um it was really cool for them to to bring in so many titans in the vr industry together into this video game bar i was able to throw it down with adam uh, on original mario bros the arcade system so it was just really rad to to palmer lucky was there um just everybody who was everybody in the vr space was there which was low-key terrifying in a really cool way so shout out to them that was definitely my highlight of of uh, ces is seeing the the vr industry the vr industry felt like a real tech industry for the first time for me it really felt mature. It felt um, nothing like bright-eyed. Oh my God, look at all this cool stuff. It actually felt like, oh, cool. The same of everything we know and love. I, I felt a sense of, I, I don't want to call it jadedness, but like just healthy expectations being met. And that's really good for an industry because now it's kind of like up to the developers, the creators. Everybody has the same hardware. Um, I, I keep making jokes about it, but that's that's a really good thing. We have standardization in the space. Yeah. Now it's time for people to just... Yeah, I want a lasso headset over my head. Can somebody oh, make a game where I can do that? <laughs> <laughs> please, please don't. Please don't. Please don't. New I kind of I headset tracking. And Adam, what about you? Uh, shout out to, to Handy. <laughs> 
This is kind of a more entertaining <laughs> oh, thing for me. I'll keep it PG and very quick. Don't worry. But they had some uh, male accessories on CES. And I, sh I this one in specifically can actually be synced with VR. So it is VR related. It's not just like, haha, Adam found something inappropriate and wants to bring it up. Uh, it, it is kind of interesting, although, you know, it's the way it's based on the forum. I'll never be able to use them like this. But interestingly enough, they had demos. They had demos of this at CES. And originally it was just an empty chair. Really? with Clorox wipes and a headset. And I was like, oh my God, like, is this, how would, what is the demo like for this? But uh, luckily, uh, Genghis actually did try it. And what what happens is they put like, um, you know, those head massaging things that have the little wires yeah, the come out. Orgasmatron or whatever but, it's called. But they, yeah. but they use it on your knee. So they're not actually attaching this thing to you in public at CES. It's just. I was about in, to say like, are people who really like trying this out there on the show wonder. floor? Then, well, they 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 they're decent enough to give you privacy. They put you in a little room with no, like a I, little table. No, and... the demos I saw, they were just sitting. I mean, they're behind the you know the oh, booth, no. but but it's but it's because it's, it's going right? on to it's, your it's, knee. It's, yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, a, okay. <laughs> what they see in the headset is basically like they said uh, some Russian woman giving you a knee massage. So the her her <laughs> motions are going in time to the. The massage. So, you know, I, I imagine oh, yeah. then for the actual application of this, there's similar. I didn't ask too many questions because, you know, I didn't want to stick around for too long. And, but yeah, so that that was my my fun CES experience. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. You know, if I learned anything from VR, those dating sims that Rowdy and I used to go into, there was a gentleman, an Indian gentleman named Magic, and he used to talk about the erogenous zone of the knee and all this kind of stuff. And. Oh, so you're just <laughs> pulling me back to that. But now, now that they've gone, Magic, as you said, Magic's work sync, is not done yet. <laughs> Magic's work is clearly not done yet. <laughs> I'm a, a, just Russian, asking for the friends, lead investor in handy. Just asking for a friend, but how much did it come? Like, uh, the price. Was it fun? <laughs> yeah, of course it was. <laughs> yeah, I, thought you... I was waiting. And I don't remember. I, I don't remember the price, but I do know that they are uh, working on the it female pay. It's version. A DLC. So. Uh, maybe you should ask your your husband, right? He'll probably know the price. It will, yeah. it will, it so, will stop halfway through and ask you to pay for the subscription. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like not just being being giggly schoolgirls about this, which I do love being, mm -hmm. uh, but I th I do think that there is a real application for this for couples who are across the planet oh for sure yes there is telegenomics right well it's that's, like that's his the, and hers stuff or hers and hers well, stuff or whatever you want in configuration that was the cool part because i was talking to the to the, the guys demoing this and he told me the access to control is not just to one like they actually have a system that comes with the handy like actual like cam models can actually control thousands of these at once oh that's right so they have multiple <laughs> profiles, <laughs> yes. So they 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 have a if you if you if you decide to to dwell into that and search them up, they have a very powerful case study where they have a model, that same one, the, the same Russian model in the video. She is talking about the, the case study where she controlled, I think it was five thousand end users at once, <laughs> and the whole experience is on video. It's it's censored. It's it's it's, it's definitely they have the power. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yeah, definitely it's. It's incredible what you can do with technology, and, I, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, wow, this is like yeah. a power fantasy. They say if you reach just one, you know, but in this case, 500 or 5,000. But if you get stuck in it, like, sword out online, if you remove it, you die. <laughs> yeah. 
I'll leave that I, I one just don't want to be for... support, right? I don't want to be the support team who has to support the users who have problems with the unit. Uh, none of that. Anyway, thank you, Adam, for uh, doing this for science. I appreciate Yay. that. That's uh, always good to bring the saucy stuff here back to the podcast. <laughs> You're very welcome. We are F reality after all. So uh, with that, why don't we uh, put the put the lid finally on, on uh, CES. If you do have questions that we weren't able to answer, um, I, I'd encourage you, you know, uh, if you're watching the video back later or whatever, drop them in the comments. We'll try to make sure you get seen to and either Jose or Adam, you know, responded back to you as well. So um, thanks for that. Release is time. Jose had a holiday break and so uh, so have you, but it's back to business and that means it's time for games. Uh, what have we got to play and what's the best of the games that are coming out soon, Jose? All right. So the first uh, the first one I have listed here is Blink. And the vacuum of space releasing January seventeenth, wow. about nine ninety nine USD. That's about eight pounds. Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, Rec Room, um, and not Rec Room. Sorry. Um, oh, what's the other one with the with the office environment? I, I'm thinking uh, Alt Space. Not Alt Space. No, the, the the mini games that you can just you're in a ragdoll environment and you're like in an office and you can make stuff. It's like one of the oldest VR games. Oh, Job Simulator. Uh, Job simulator, geez. Yeah, so it, it, it gives me a lot of job simulator vibes, but um, right. it, 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 I, I can describe it as job simulator in Papers, Please, which is there's like a TSA component with robots oh, there that you can like. Papers, it, it's it's very fun. Um, so definitely check that out. It's out in January 17th. It's a PC VR game. Uh, VR. I believe Steam. Um, yeah. The next one I have listed here is the Great Ocean VR which made me very excited um it reminds me a lot of subnautica but where subnautica failed in my opinion was like bringing in like the realism of the ocean i feel like the great ocean vr kind of went after that where you're actually looking at real sea life animals i don't know if they actually scan the animals but there's like a weird sense of realism there that made me want to check it out um that's about two dollars usd uh, that's about three pounds um it's it is on the quest 2 also um, and the third one I have is Aimtropolis, which I'm very excited about. Comes out June 25th. It is free. Um, I believe it's out on the quest also through side quest. Not sure if, if I saw a link for it. Let me, I, yep. So it is available. Um, it's also believe, yep. Awesome. But in, the cool thing about Aimtropolis is that they kind of made a gag out of every single rail shooter there is in VR and decided <laughs> to just make one ultimate rail shooter. And it just reskins the mechanics into now you're in the Western, but now you're in space. Now mm -hmm. you're against a zombie horde. So wow. they decided to kind of mock all of these same, same, we can do it two kind of games and just turned it into one. And so the story changes the environment every time. It's called Aimtropolis. Definitely an absolute highlight. It's one that I'm actually after this going to play some more. And it's free, which is insane. Um, so yeah, check it out. Aimtropolis VR. I like it. That's all I got this week. Cool. Can you just give us a recap of the titles in case people want to Yeah, so uh, go one more time. I mentioned at the very top was Blink, B-L-I-N-N-K, and The Vacuum of Space. Second one, The Great Ocean VR. And third, Aimtropolis. Aimtropolis VR. Nice variety, Jose. I like those. Uh, I'm actually keen on, on those now. So that third one is, did you say a side quest title or is it also a PC VR? I believe it's a, I, I, it's a PC VR. I believe it's on side quest. I'll post the link on after the a tweet for F Reality and on the YouTube. Okay. 
just to make sure. Um, I definitely want to start doing that. So the games I listed, you'll probably find little little links or, or tidbits on the on the description on the YouTube. Can I can Sounds I add good. one more? There's there's also yes. Primal Hunt, which is coming out on the 19th, which I'm super excited yes. about because I love dinosaurs. So, and even if it means shooting them, that's okay. I uh, I will <laughs> still love them when I shoot them, and then I'll apologize and then hang their head up in a. Isn't one of the designers of Primal Hunt worked on art designer the original for Turok? Yes, Turok. Mm-hmm. Turok. Oh, that's so rad. Yeah. When I read that, I was like, I think you mentioned it, Adam. Actually, yeah. that I, that actually made me very interested because I love Turok, and I, and, and uh, I've been wanting a Dino Crisis in VR for so long, and nobody has delivered. And it makes me so angry. <laughs> if somebody is listening, please give us Dino Crisis I, in I VR. I think the closest was like Island Three Six Five. Island Three Six Five. Yeah. I would, uh, I would kick dinosaurs with my uh, full body trackers. That was kind of fun, I guess. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wasn't it like one of the first like to integrate uh, feet tracking? Yeah. If not yeah. V first? Kick oh, dinosaurs. They VRs too, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's funny, Adam, that you're, I don't know if you know, Rowdy's also a fan of dinos. Uh, big, big, big fan of dinos. Look this one up yeah. then, because you'll, I mean, I haven't tried it nearly yet, lost but... him to Robinson the Journey uh, some years ago. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh man, and Rowdy, you were in Miami, and you, so you didn't see that Jurassic Park had a, a live tour, and they were in nope. Miami while you were there. What? Indeed, indeed, I know, I know. I should have uh, mentioned what, that. What does that mean? Jurassic Park had a live tour. What? <laughs> they the have a, a live, actual dinosaurs. They have a live presentation show where they have giant animatronics and giant oh. dinosaurs, and they're reenacting like dra- dra- dinosaur training. It's like a circus, but they're dinosaur animatronics. Oh my yeah. god! I just know I'd be very nervous if they hand you one of those giant flashlights, like as you walk in. You're like, I'm not touching that thing. No, <laughs> aim it I know the- where this is going. I'm not getting in that jeep. No way. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our that's our games for uh, for this uh, this coming fortnight. Thank you very much, Jose. Um, chat, we're almost done here. Uh, if you want to shout out, now's your chance. Drop it in chat. Uh, I will take very few questions because we've run even further, and there's no way I'm going longer than the last episode. So here you go. I'm going to run down the show times for you. Uh, F Reality Crew, this fine cast of four stream dead or alive every other Saturday on YouTube and on Twitch. We are live and broadcasting from 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, and 6 p.m. in the UK. Uh, Are you busy doing your hair at the time? Well, don't let Adam catch you off guard. We've got the audio-only replay over at Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Subscribe for more. Like it if you did. And uh, we'll be back for in a couple of weeks for another one of these mega VR potlucks. Um, Adam, Browdy, chat, what have we got? Anything? Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be buying the handy, it looks like, so... uh... No judgment here. It seems like (laughs) we have. Let's sync up together, guys. VR sessions. It seems like we have a a, a mainly male audience. Like I didn't know that. Like (laughs) F reality. uh, Send me the access to control them. (laughs) It's an F reality circle. Very good. I am. You all make me so proud every episode. You know. We just started F reality only fans. We should synchronize yes. it with the podcast and we'll know if people are enjoying it. We'll get feedback if people are enjoying the podcast. <laughs> well, this is F Reality Podcast, the podcast that keeps you thinking, what the heck did he just say? Uh, all right, my fellow VR nutters, let's go kidnap Sadly It's Bradley and smother him in butter. And until next time, take care of yourselves.